Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hoopsville Sectional Preview. I'm your host, Dave McHugh Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, we're also on Instagram at D3Hoopsville as well. Getting used to that social medium as well, if you want to join us there, though we don't answer questions via Instagram. It's a little bit more difficult, but we certainly keep things uh, more interesting on the other social medias. But at least on Instagram, you can find out where we're traveling, for example. We'll take pictures of where we're headed and so on and so forth. So that's how it works, and we hope you'll take advantage of it, to say the least. Uh, if you got questions, again, for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, etc. We certainly will look forward to hearing from you. Um, lots of guests to talk about tonight. Uh, we, we meant to get one more in. This is how fried my brain is. Believe it or not, I knew it was going to be a jam show, and I actually tried to make an effort to get seven, uh, yeah, seven guests into the show tonight. Couldn't figure out for the last 24 hours why I didn't see, like, I felt like I was missing one. I didn't do any counting because I wasn't based on a number seven. I had just looked at seven. And then about an hour, maybe an hour and a half ago, I realized the one I had missed. So hopefully they make the tur they keep playing and keep winning and I can jump in on that side. But here's who we have coming up on the show tonight. Uh, on In men's basketball, we'll talk to the Cinderella, Keene State. Ryan Kane will join us from their oil Owls men's basketball program who defeated uh, Richard, or I should say Stockton, still getting used to not saying Richard Stockton, but Stockton in the opening round in overtime thanks to a crazy sequence uh, with a late foul. Then we'll talk to, we'll switch directions, go to women's basketball, talk to Rochester women's basketball coach Jim Scheibel about the Yellow Jackets and how well they're playing right now and one of three UAA teams still in the dance. Then we'll talk to UT Tyler's head basketball coach, Kendra Hassel, first-year head coach at Tyler, for in her first year there, I should say. They are on to a big matchup, number two versus number six, against George Fox. Talk to her about the challenges with that, maybe flying a little under the radar on top of that as well. Then we'll talk to Emory men's basketball coach, Jason Zimmerman. Remember we talked to him at the Hoopsville Classic team Certainly lost a lot from Alex Foster and the like from last year's team. They struggled early, no surprise, kind of found their feet at some point and then woke up during UAA tournament or regular season action and ran off with their third UAA title in four years. They are off to the Midwest yet again. <laughs> at some point, I'm going to have to talk to the committee about whether we can ever get Emory up in the Northeast. The problem is the Great Lakes and Central Western areas tend to have that hole you can slot a team into based on opening is in brackets. It's easier to get everybody, you know, fill a pod in the Great Lakes or in the Northeast, East, and Mid-Atlantic areas than sometimes it is in the Central. It's easier to ship Emory there, but we'll talk to him about that trip. They're playing number one, Augustana. To say they have a tall task would be an understatement. We'll talk to him coming up. Then we'll talk to Amherst men's basketball coach Dave Hickson. Dave, of course, haven't talked to this season. That's a little bit weird. We haven't talked to him in over a year. Last time, early January, if memory serves, and we may have talked to him last year in the postseason. We'll talk to Dave Hickson about his team, what he expects from his squad. Maybe a team that still finding themselves after the wonderful years of 2013 and 14. 
They are on the road because the women are hosting. Have a big battle with Babs and what he expects with Flannery or sans Flannery. Then we'll talk to Worcester men's basketball Steve coach Steve Moore. Worcester, unranked, barely really been a topic of conversation for us for the most part. They've been at the top of the NCAC, which is certainly impressive. We'll talk to Steve Moore about whether the Scots can get it done at Oswego coming up this weekend. So that's all ahead here on Hoopsville. You can join us again on Instagram at D3Hoopsville, on Twitter at D3Hoopsville, of course, using the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us uh, by emailing us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Or on, on YouTube, we do have a chat room. I'll be flat out honest. It is one of the last priorities on my list to check. So you can go in there and try it if you want, but I can tell you now that most likely um, we will not be able to necessarily answer any questions in there. But that is your option, should you choose to take it. So sectional weekend, obviously a little bit different after this weekend. So uh, the men's and women's teams will play the double round robin, as we normally do, Sweet 16 Elite Eight, get a chance to go on to the championships. Of course, for women... They will go on to Capitol in over in about a week's time, play the semifinals on Saturday. No championship, no consolation. Consolation doesn't exist this year. Championship will, but will wait 16 days to play it in Indianapolis. On the men's side, it's status quo. We will go on to Salem and play those games in Salem on Friday and Saturday with the NABC All-Star Game. Speaking of the NABC All-Star Game, the final vote took place, and congratulations yet again to a MIAC winner. I think they, it was three of the last four years somebody from the MIAC has been in the vote and has gotten in. Um, let's see. This year we had um, Jordan Bolger from Concordia Moorhead. The uh, year before is Marcus a uh, Alipate from St. Thomas. Um, and who else? Augsburg's, uh, yeah, Augsburg's Dan Cornbum in 2014. So that's three years in a row that Mayak has gotten an at-large in with the vote. The vote was close. Um, Bolger from Gordon Moorhead got 30% of the vote. Uh, Brooklyn's uh, Egjon Giobalji, I, I know how to say it, and I haven't said it in a while, so I apologize there for that mistake. He got the most votes at 33%. Kyle Richardson finished with 25% of the vote. Second most votes ever. But interestingly enough, some people like John Christensen, Bryson Vonville, Lucas Haussmann, Danville, uh, Daniel uh, Purvisis from Wabash, and Paris Scales from Greensboro didn't really register much votes. So disappointing there, but certainly congratulations to the two gentlemen who will be playing in the All-Star game. The All-Star final roster will be announced next week as per who makes it to the Final Four and who doesn't. Uh, great articles on our website at d3hoops.com. Uh, article about the Texas Tyler team playing. Uh, a Tufts men's basketball. Uh, also, Oswego State's men's basketball team is featured. Albright's women's team is featured, as is St. Thomas men's basketball. Those are much of the, um, of the host. We should remind everybody that the sectional host, about 50% of them make it on to the championship weekend. That's mainly on the men's side. Women's side, I think it's more... Um, a higher number of sectional hosts will make it on to the next weekend, mainly because on the women's side, it, it's so dominating by those teams that they're so good. The men's side are more parity. Also, men's side tends is where we tend to see more geographical situations, not necessarily because the women don't create the geography as much as the men, you know, scenarios, but mainly because the women's hosts are so darn good. 
Um, so we got about a 50% chance. We'll talk about it later in the show, maybe. But we'll figure out who we think may get on to Salem and on to Capitol. But for example, on the women's side, it's hard to go against Thomas Moore, who will be hosting. Um, I think it's going to be very hard to, to potentially go against Amherst because they're hosting. The interesting two on the women's side, and this is where you got 50% comes into play. Scranton's hosting, but it's the Tufts women's team who may be the better team there, potentially. Scranton's certainly playing darn well, and so is Albright. So it's a little bit of a toss-up there, I think. But Tufts is certainly a curveball, and Albright could be a curveball. But Scranton needs, you know, Scranton needs to get out of that to make that 50% maybe go above that. And then the other one, St. Thomas is very good, but you do have a maybe a, a misunderstood Texas Tyler team coming in who's very good. You also have, obviously, George Fox coming in undefeated, though I don't think George Fox gets out of this weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if Texas Tyler beats him. Granted, we don't have a lot on Texas Tyler that can tell us if they're good enough to beat George Fox. I just don't think George Fox is like the team of last year that got a runner-up. I don't think they think they're as good as the last year's runner-up team, to be to be blunt. I think they'll be flat-out honest with you. And I think Coach Meeks was recently on this show, that, that they aren't as good, potentially, as everyone thinks they are, that undefeated record indicates. It's a great record, but maybe not. You know, the conference wasn't as good as it has been in the past. Circumstances have played themselves out as they, as they are. Anyway, so on the women's side, the St. Thomas and Scranton pods, I think, are the most likely to see someone other than the host come out of there. I just think with the teams in place. Again, Scranton, you've got uh, Tufts and Albright on the other side of that bracket to the Elite Eight. Scranton certainly has uh, a good chance of getting past this next game. Um, against CNU, but CNU could also upset Scranton in this next game. Um, so as a result, I think Scranton's got a big challenge coming out of their own place this week. And I think St. Thomas has a big challenge coming out of their own place on the women's side. Um, and again, it could, you know, it, I, I, it's, it's it just, it's going to be a bigger hill to climb, I think, than people realize. On the men's side of things, it's definitely more up in the air. Listen, Oswego's hosting mainly because of geography, okay? So Oswego wouldn't necessarily be a favorite right now. I think Christopher Newport is an overwhelming favorite out of that pod. Um, Worcester is certainly playing well as well, but, you know, Christopher Newport's number four in the country. Maybe floated up there a little bit, but they're also pretty darn good with only one loss. Um, I feel bad a little bit for Keene State, who we'll talk to in a matter of minutes. So, you know, you've got them. Then you've also got... Um, Tufts men's basketball hosting, but Amherst is the higher regionally ranked team there. Babson, if Flannery's playing well, is darn good. And Johnson and Wales could easily come out of that four. I think the, it lines up well for Johnson and Wales. It also could be argued it lines up well for Tufts. It could be argued it lines up well for Babson if Flannery's there. And you could argue it lines up well for Amherst, depending on how you look at that pod and how you want to break it down. So I think that pod's up in the air. I think Oswego's pod is up in the air. The the home team, not necessarily the favorites in those two pods to come out of there. So that's already two of the four. Augustana, I think the favorites to come out of that pod, but that's a heck of a pod. They're taking on Emory in the first game and then either St. Thomas or Whitman in the second game. So Augustana to get back and get out of Rock Island has got a tall task, though I think they've got a good chance. And then Benedictine's got to go against Ohio Wesleyan, and then it's either Elma or St. Norbert conceivably all four pods could be non-hosts coming out very easily. Could happen. So, you know, again, about 50%, especially on the men's side. Women's side, it's a higher number. 
of the hosts of this weekend get on to the championship weekend. I don't think we see that this year. I don't think we see that high a number. With that being, with that in mind, we're going to get a break. Uh, we got to go to get uh, Ryan Kane from Keene State on the show. But again, a reminder, if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Again, a reminder, Keene State's Ryan Kane coming up, then Rochester's Jim Scheibel on the women's side. UT T- Tyler's uh, Kendra Hassel, also from the women's team, will join us. Then Emory men's basketball coach Jason Zimmerman, Amherst men's basketball coach Dave Hickson, and Worcester's men's basketball coach Steve Moore, all coming up here on the show. Um, and again, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk Keene State men's basketball, the Owls, the Cinderella's right now. You're listening to Hoopsville. Back with more uh, right after this. I'm a Division Three student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. Sorry about that. We're back on the air. Some glitches still with our commercial system. We'll figure it out. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. And join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. You are listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Uh, time to get to our guests. We don't have a lot of time tonight because we're going to try and bang through a lot of guests. Uh, and we're, So we'll start with the Cinderella, though. That's perfectly the spot to start with, I would think. Talk to a team that is, um, certainly came out surprisingly out of a bracket, though one that was certainly a little bit more wide open than some of the other ones were. Took advantage of a mistake by their opponent 
and then took advantage of a tired opponent in the second round, most likely. That's certainly how maybe the story of Keene State. They got in from a little east uh, at large. I should say, well, I shouldn't say at large. They got in with a little east uh, quali- uh, automatic qualifier by winning the conference tournament and have taken full advantage of that. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, presented by the City of Salem, it is Ryan Kane, head coach for Keene State. Ryan, how you doing, sir? I'm great, Dave. How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well. First and foremost, uh, obviously it's about sometimes how you finish a season. You guys are certainly finishing it pretty darn well. Coming out of the middle of the LEC pack to win the conference tournament and get into the tournament and now taking full advantage of that. Yeah, it's been uh, one heck of a ride here. You know, we've uh, suffered a lot of injuries throughout our season. And fortunately for us, we've gotten healthy at the right time. And I think that's been a big factor in us playing our best basketball of the season so far. And you have an interesting season. You started the year winning six in a row, Green Mountain, Endicott, LaSalle, New England, Springfield, and Mass Dartmouth. Then you guys kind of hit a little bit of a tailspin, lost three in a row, including Stevens Point uh, and Loris while on a trip to Arizona. Then you lost three out of four in January. Then you lost four out of six uh, as January crossed into into February. And now you're back on the roll again, uh, having won the last, uh, what is it, seven in a row to get to yep. this point in the tournament. Uh, it's got to be both uh, a joy and basically uh, hair-pulling experience this season. You know, yeah, I think the coaches have gotten a little bit more worked up than the players at points. You know, these guys have maintained a pretty high level of confidence uh, despite some of those struggles in the middle of our season. You know, I think they realized that there was a chance that we'd get some guys back from these injuries. Um, And we played a lot of close games, you know, specifically in conference. I think we lost our six conference games by a total of 24 points. So, a lot of close games, and I think those close games at this point is, have obviously helped us uh, pull out some of these tight ones that we played in the NCAA tournament. You know, we were down four uh, with under a minute left in our first round game, and our guys didn't blink an eye. We maintained our confidence. So, although at points I was ready to rip my hair out, I think uh, my hair was getting closer and closer uh, to resembling Chris Bartley's over at WPI. Um, yeah, I think it's it's been a good thing in the long run here. Uh, for us because uh, I think it's given us the experience that we need to be successful in these close ones in the tournament so far. Well, you got picked up late, too. I mean, you got named interim of this program in August uh, coming over from WPI uh, when they made a change, when a change took place at Keene. So you you kind of picked up the reins a little bit late on this one. The guys kind of got to know you a little bit late. Uh, Trevor Woodruff at Scranton Women talked about that experience as well. Tell us just about the whirlwind that was the start of your season. Yeah, it was crazy. It all developed pretty quickly. Um, and I went from being on my honeymoon in June <laughs> to uh, applying for the job and interviewing for the job and then accepting the job early in August. You know, so obviously the biggest thing was uh, transitioning with the current players. You know, they were coming off the conference tournament championship and had to deal with the turnover um, at head coach. So that was a difficult adjustment for those guys. So first and foremost, we tried to build a relationship with the players. I think that went pretty smoothly, pretty quickly. Uh, so we were lucky there. Just a very close group of guys that, like I said, believed in themselves and knew they had a pretty good thing going. Um, but it, it, it happened fast. Obviously, you got to pick up uh, on the recruiting trail because we were behind there. So it's trying to balance all those things at once um, while trying to move our team into a positive direction and hopefully take a jump. Uh, you know, They were in the NCAAs last year and lost in the first round. So fortunately, at this point, uh, I think that experience helped them and we were able to play off some of the experience of the players and transition pretty easily despite the late start to uh, to our season. If no one knows, obviously you had a heck of a playing career at WPI and played under uh, Coach Bartley, and then you ended up coaching under Coach Bartley. 
you know, when it when the call comes or you see that the job is opened up, uh, is that a tough decision? You talk about being on your honeymoon, but is that is that a tough decision to make the poll when you've been a WPI guy for so long and this one's clearly going to be a a late start to everything. You're you're behind the eight ball, no matter how you look at it. When you start this job, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely was in a great situation over at WPI. You know, I, I had the opportunity to play for Coach Bartley and play with a lot of great guys over there. Uh, you know, he's one of my best friends out there. So it wasn't you know necessarily the easiest thing in the world to leave him uh, because we have such a close relationship, and I know I wouldn't be able to be around him and those guys on a daily basis. But when you have an opportunity to go to a program like Keene State, who has some pretty rich tradition, you know, they've been to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16, uh, in the early to mid-2000s, um, obviously coming off a conference tournament championship. So to get an opportunity to be a head coach at a school like that was definitely something I didn't think I could pass up. Um, you know, obviously, Coach Bartley supported me through the entire process. Um, and, you know, just fortunate to have such a great group of guys for my first head coaching position. You know, I just feel lucky uh, that I was able to get this job and uh, be the head coach for these guys. Um, quickly, before we, we leave the WPI topic, you publicly thank yep. just about everybody there uh, for their help. R- thanking Rusty Egan, that might have gone too far. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> come on. Rusty's a good friend yeah, of the show, you know, but we don't need to be giving him more attention. He uh, he came in uh, to WPI about halfway through my career, yeah. and uh, obviously, you know, I ended up winning that Justin's Award. So I think there were a lot of people that <laughs> had a hand in that. So yeah, I figured I'd give him a little shout out for all his help when it came to that stuff. <laughs> yeah, good call, good call. Uh, let's talk about your team. You talked about you know dealing with injuries and dealing with guys losing guys on the team. I obviously Dizel Wright, his 15 points a game. Uh, lost that early, six and, a, six and a half rebounds. He only played seven games. But other guys have stepped up. You actually have, I'm going to argue, technically five guys in double figures. Nate Stitchell uh, at 15 points a game. Matt uh, Ozella, nearly 13 points a game. Tyler Nichols at 12 and a half, 10 points for Nate Howard. And Lucas Hamels, just a shade under 10 points yep. a game. They all contribute in some capacity or another outside of scoring. Uh, Ozella is leading the team in rebound, or I should say second on the team in rebounding. Nate Howard's actually the leader in rebounding at nearly 10 rebounds a game. Um, Stitchell and Ozella both hand out quite a few assists along with Nichols. You're getting a lot of steals and blocks, et cetera. Very much feels like a team when you look at the stat sheet. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely been our motto. You know, I think we're hard to guard because we share it so well. We do have a lot of talent and guys can make plays. But there's no doubt that our team puts the individual agenda uh, behind the team's success. You know, so our, we feel like the ball moves pretty well on offense, and that makes us a difficult cover on that end of the floor. And then we feel the same thing defensively. We get each other's back. We feel like we compete at a very high level. Uh, we have some very talented, talented guards on the defensive end of the floor, and then we have the big seven-footer protecting the rim. So the stats get shared pretty, uh, pretty nicely throughout everybody on the squad. You know, um, at first, starting the year, you know, before the injuries and some of the turnover on our roster, we felt like we almost had too many good players where there's going to be guys on the bench. And, you know, one of the concerns we had was just the general attitude of guys not necessarily getting the minutes that they were hoping for because we did have so much talent. Yeah. Um, you know, fortunately for some guys and unfortunately for others, we did have some injuries and other stuff that came into play and had some turnover on our roster. So it gave other guys opportunity, uh, you know, with all the injuries we even have. You know, guys who maybe didn't think they were going to play at points, uh, playing very pivotal roles, first guy off the bench, that kind of thing. So a lot of guys have stepped up, and I think, um, you know, throughout the season, the fact that we were such a true team, it helped us at this point because, uh, you know, we've had foul trouble in both of these games. We're pulling, uh, you know, the 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th guy off the bench, and it seems like there's really no adjustment when those guys come into the game. So uh, definitely a true team in that sense. 
when you look at this season, you know, you went through a stretch there where you lost to Eastern Connecticut, you lost to Middlebury, you lost to Plymouth State and Western Connecticut in a span of six games. You then came back, and that came to be the turning point. You then beat Eastern Connecticut, and it wasn't close, 26 points. You beat Rhode Island College, you beat Plymouth State, you beat. then you get into the conference tournament, and you beat Rhode Island College, you beat Mass Dartmouth, who had already pulled the upset. What was the turning point there? Because even then, you move into the NCAA tournament, you get the win over Stockton, and then you get the win over Middlebury again to exact some revenge. What was it, What's the difference between that first six and, and the recent seven? Yeah, I mean, really, to me, it's health. You know, the, our point guard, Lucas Hamill, uh, he's unlike a lot of guys out there just in terms of the effort and approach on the basketball court. He plays the game at a very high level. And we had some, we had some guys on our roster that were playing at that level. But once you add him in the mix, um, you know, another heart and soul guy for us, I really feel like it kind of took our team to another level. Um, you know, he's just so competitive, and he's uh, very inspirational for a lot of other guys in the court. He has a different dimension when it comes to our defensive backcourt. Obviously, he pushes the tempo for us as our point guard. Um, you know, and once you have a couple really good guards that can uh, you know, stick some guys on the perimeter, some talented wings, uh, and complement that with our seven-footer, uh, it really kind of put our team back into the place that we thought we may have it. And then it kind of slid our rotation to an, into a much better spot as well. So, you know, transitioning some guys to, you know, first guy off the bench and having that be a more comfortable role for them. So I think that was the biggest difference is health and uh, getting our rotation back into place the way we kind of thought it would be to start our season. How crazy was the game against Stockton just in the way it finished? You know, Stockton player following you guys in a tie ball game. Yeah, I mean, it was a wild game. You know, the end of regulation was wild. We had a layup at the end of regulation to win it that didn't go down, uh, and that was after they fought back. And, um, you know, so it was a wild finish at the end of regulation. Then we go up to start OT. You know, sometimes they have the momentum uh, after coming back from a deficit uh, in overtime, and we did a good job of getting the lead early. All of a sudden, they go up four. We fight back. Uh, so it was a back-and-forth ball game. So we were, we were fortunate to tie the game up, and we got a nice defensive stop. Uh, and we thought we were going to have some type of shot to try to win it, but uh, not necessarily a couple free throws. It was just a simple time and score situation. And, you know, you feel bad for anybody that, that loses on that note. That's not how you, want to, how you want it to go. But obviously we'll take the win with that being said. Yeah, of course, especially in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. Uh, exactly. You got number four, Christopher Newport, ahead of you, and you're playing them at Oswego, and obviously you're already there on the western side of New York State. What do you expect from CNU? What do you think... Uh, what have you seen so far on tape that, that you th- you're thinking about? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely one of the best teams we've played all season long. You know, obviously they have a terrific record, having only lost one game. Um, you know, we saw one of the teams in their, uh, in their conference in the first round uh, in our pod. Right, Salisbury. Uh, in the regional. Yep, Salisbury. Um, so we were able to watch them against Salisbury a couple times. And Christopher Newport is just extremely talented. Uh, you know, they have terrific wing players, and uh, they complement each other very nicely. Uh, you know, stud athlete uh, in Carter. Uh, McFarland's a guy who can just absolutely knock it down. They complement those two really good wings with uh, more shooters and some guys that can make plays at the guard spot. And they run their offense through a very versatile center that actually comes off the bench. They they, they do things a little bit different. It brings mm-hmm. really good guys off the bench. Um, you know, it could be a little bit confusing for some teams. And uh, they run really good stuff on offense. They're extremely competitive on defense. They play with a high spirit. Uh, you know, solid pack man-to-man. Uh, they do a really good job on both ends of the floor. They run some really good stuff. It's going to be a, a great test for our guys. You know, I think we're excited uh, to compete at a high level against them tomorrow. 
Well, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing the game online and uh, wish you all the luck. I assume the campus has been a buzz. Yeah, the support that uh, we have at Keene State College is pretty neat. Uh, the community is amazing. The school itself, between faculty, staff, and students, have just been so supportive. I mean, we couldn't thank them enough for all their support for everything they've been doing. You know, the games are streamed at uh, the local bars in town, mm-hmm. and, you know, we're getting Snapchats after games with people celebrating and, uh, you know, lots of messages and phone calls. So it's been, uh, it's been an awesome run and very supportive from uh, the school and community. When are they taking that interim tag off, Ryan? <laughs> I uh, I actually just applied for the uh, permanent position this past week, so Good. hopefully that goes well. <laughs> I, hope, I, I think you've got a, a bit of a leg up on it, but congratulations <laughs> nonetheless. Well, good yeah, luck this too. weekend. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on the Owls, see how that all plays out. Uh, as always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, thanks for having me, Dave, and uh, thanks, everybody listening, for uh, your support this season. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Take care of yourself, and like I said, good luck. Thanks, Dave. Take care. You too. Ryan Kane joining us from Keene State. Uh, he mentioned former Jostens winner. I want to congratulate the two Jostens winners from Nebraska Wesleyan and from MSOE. We'll have more thoughts on the Jostens coming up later in the show, but congratulations to Ryan. He has uh, parlayed all of that experience into a coaching job, gotten Keene State to the second weekend for the first time since 2007. Congratulations to the Owls and good luck against uh, Oswego. I mean, Christopher Newport in Oswego. Going to take a break. When we come back, switch gears, talk women's basketball, talk to a New York State team in Massachusetts. Rochester will join us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Then we'll go down to Texas, playing up in Minnesota. Texas Tyler will talk to us as well. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA NABC studios, more Hoopsville when we come back. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important. But as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. Division III schools offer academic scholarships instead of athletic scholarships. This really puts the focus that the student athlete needs to maintain that GPA. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. A lot of people pick schools just based on the sport and don't get that experience. Being a Division III athlete and developing my leadership skills has definitely put my name out there and helped me get more recognition on campus, but more recognition nationwide. I did win the Jostens Trophy, which is based on leadership, academics, and then how well you do on the court. I'm also the Schwartz Scholar of my class. Schwartz Scholarship is basically a scholarship that is given to a student who's identified as a likely leader. In the other day, it won't matter how they play on the field, it will matter how they do in the classroom. Welcome back to Hoopsville. This is Danielle Donahue, Executive Director of the WBCA. And we are a proud, proud partner and very excited about all the future broadcasts. Here's Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we get ready for the sectional weekend. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show as we talk to a number of the teams getting ready to play this weekend for a chance to go on to the championship weekends. Of course, in in women's basketball, that is capital to determine who the two teams will be to move on to uh, Indianapolis for the championship. And in men, it's once again a trip to Salem for the 20th year in a row. 
this time a chance to hand out the 19th men's championship trophy. So that's what's at stake this weekend, as we all know. And obviously with 32 teams uh, in both men and women getting ready to try and be the final eight, there's a lot to talk about. Um, if you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. UAA has three teams left in the tournament, as we have mentioned. Uh, WashU and Carnegie Mellon will uh, eliminate at least one of them as they face off with each other. But if you look in the lower left-hand part of the bracket, one of the more dangerous teams probably kind of lurking a little bit would be Rochester. They're not hosting, but they're somewhat nearby, I guess, if you go from central New York to central Massachusetts, roughly. Uh, but the women's basketball team certainly playing pretty darn well. Uh, and their head coach, Jim Scheibel, joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem. Jim, welcome to Sh welcome to Hoopsville again, sir. Thanks, Dave. Great to be here. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, first and foremost, you and I saw each other uh, back at the, the 50th and final Wendy's Classic uh, back at the beginning of December. And it was weird because you guys were playing in an early game on the final day because you had stumbled in the very first round of the tournament and i remember thinking to myself wow this is a really good team playing in this part of the bracket um and clearly you guys were better than what that first game of that tournament had had kind of indicated of course geneseo had beaten you and interesting enough geneseo went on to the championship game as well how much has this team changed since i saw them in the beginning of december well we've grown up quite a bit um you know, having to go through a uaa, UAA schedule and i also think we played probably one of the toughest schedules we have played since I've been here. But uh, I'm going to give credit to Geneseo in that semifinal game that we lost to them in the Wendy's tournament. I thought they just were better. Um, we knew they were kind of physical with us. We had to get better in that area. And I thought we've really kind of grown up, especially we have to. I mean, when you go up against Wash U's, Carnegie's, NYU's, I mean, and you can go down through the list of the UAA because I think they're all strong. But we also challenged ourselves with Montclair, with Ohio Northern, uh, with Ithaca at Ithaca. So there are numerous other teams that, you know, we were hoping would prepare us for later in the year. Um, certainly, yeah, Geneseo was a, a pretty darn good team, uh, as they proved the rest of the season, despite the challenges that they faced. You went through a stretch. Uh, I mean, early on, that was your only loss. Uh, you went until January 29th until you suffered your second loss of the season. And that kind of opened you guys up. You went four for four in the next eight uh, with losses to WashU, Chicago, Brandeis, and Carnegie Mellon. Interestingly enough, you didn't repeat a loss in the UAA. Uh, you you exacted revenge against uh, WashU, or they were exacting revenge against you or Chicago. Um, actually, the WashU-Chicago weekend was back-to-back, -back, so you literally exacted revenge the next weekend. How important was that, that you didn't get even swept in the in the conference? You were able to stay on top of this conference and beat some really darn good teams, especially in the second half of conference play. Yeah, I, I thought that was crucial for us to um, make a statement. And we got swept in the Midwest. Um, WashU handled us pretty easily. And then Chicago beat us in a two-point game there. Um, and then, to be honest, coming back, that back-to-back -back weekend with WashU and Chicago, that's a pretty tough one. Yeah. Uh, but we had WashU uh, the next Friday night after we lost to Chicago. And I thought they played really well. And we were hanging around in that game by our fingernails for a while. Um down 11 going into the fourth quarter, and then we just made some plays. I mean, our young kids, you know, just kind of rose and made some nice plays. Uh, luckily, WashU missed some shots they might have otherwise made. But I thought that was a big turning point for us when we came back from 11 down in the fourth against WashU. We kind of realized that we, we hung together and we just kept being resilient that, uh, you know, good results could come. 
And then I thought um, then to beat Chicago um, was a good capper for the weekend because that team, they were just getting better as the year went on. Um, they finished the year really strongly. So we were happy to get out of there with that sweep that weekend. Um, the conference had four teams make the tournament, three of them still alive. And as we mentioned in the pre preview, and we've mentioned all show long, obviously WashU and Carnegie Mellon will, will eliminate one of each other uh, from the tournament. And obviously if you guys win, that'll make two into the Elite Eight round. Uh, UAA's always been tough. It seems, and it's always been somewhat deep. It seems deeper now. It seems more competitive now. Yeah, I mean... You know, you look at the team that finished last in the conference, uh, Case Western. I think uh, you go look at their st- statistics for who they played over the year. They played like 12 ranked teams, and they knocked off two of them. But they took us to overtime in Cleveland. So we knew going into that weekend, the Case Carnegie weekend, that we had two battles on our hands. You know, luckily we escaped a Case, but then we just ran into a buzzsaw offensively at Carnegie. Uh, I thought we played really well offensively against them, but. I, I don't think I've seen a team that offensively potent in a while. Uh, we just had a really hard time slowing them down. They hung 95 on us. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw yeah. that. I, I'm, I'm really happy to see three UAA teams get through to the Sweet 16, but I, my hat's off to Carnegie. I think they had the toughest road of the three of us so far, having to beat Hope at Hope yeah. and um, Ohio Northern at Hope. I mean, we've, we've played Ohio Northern. We know how good they are. Um, but to beat Hope at Hope, I mean, that's kind of a statement right there. Look at what you've been able to do. Uh, obviously, a win over Emory to close the season, having lost that Carnegie Mellon game, as you point, gave up 95, which is not exactly what you guys are known for defensively. You only give up about 68 points a game. Um, but you beat Johnson & Wales, you beat Stockton. Both games got to be played at the Palestra. How important was it to be at your place to start this tournament and get your feet underneath you? I think it was helpful, um, definitely, because we're – we're kind of trying to reemerge on the national scene. We've, we've been down a little bit the last couple of years, but we've been young. Um, last year we were young. We had a big freshman class, and they're really starting to develop. So to get in the NCAA tournament and then to get a couple of games on your home where you're a little more comfortable, uh, I thought that was definitely helpful. Um, you know, we played probably as well as we could have played against Johnson Wales. I mean, we did not approach them lightly because we knew on a given night that they could be very dangerous. But we played really well against them. And then against Stockton, it was more of a grind-out game for both sides. Um, luckily, we got a little bit of a cushion in the fourth quarter and just held on. You can take on Bowden in the next round, games at Amherst. Bowden falling out of the top 25 right before the tournament began. Uh, about equal distance. between. I think it's right in the middle for both of you guys, uh, distance-wise travel, maybe a little further for Bowden. Um, obviously, you're in enemy territory in the sense that you're at Amherst, but uh, what do you what do you expect from this Bowden team that you know you're trying to prepare for? Well, I think a they're really well coached. They're a heck of a defensive team. They've got some real nice weapons offensively. Uh, they're just they they check off a lot of the boxes, and it's going to be hard for us to do some of the things you know we want to do. But you know, at this level, they're all good teams. Um, we know Bowden's going to be very good. Uh, I think we both come from one, two of the strongest conferences in the nation. We both have had our share of success in those conferences. But, you know, I look at this as kind of a 50-50 game. Um, you know, whoever plays better on that on that night makes more shots. Because um, I think we're both going to defend. We're both going to rebound. And, you know, we have a lot of respect for them. And we know it's going to be a battle. Obviously, on the other side of that, it's either going to be Amherst or Stevens. And 
certainly teams you're familiar with, uh, Amherst, again in the NESCAC, and Stevens being in your own uh, region, uh, in the East region, certainly uh, not unfamiliar squads. Obviously hosted uh, and were home in your own beds last weekend. Now you're on the road uh, to a team in Massachusetts, and you're in a hotel uh, and traveling on buses. Is it that big a difference? I mean, traveling by bus for you guys in the UAA, that's that's kind of a, a new thing. <laughs> well, you know, we fly to several of the cities, right. but we also bus to a couple of cities. We're kind of one of those schools in the UAA that's kind of, well, not too far. It's very busable for some of our uh, trips, so we do bus a couple. Okay. But, but this is our spring break, Dave. I mean, we're celebrating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's no one on campus, so, you know, usually we wouldn't have left as early. We came up on Wednesday night uh, for the Friday game just because otherwise we'd just be hanging around Rochester and there'd be no one there. So this is kind of our way of getting out and really enjoying our spring break. Well, I was going to say, if there's nobody there in Rochester, you might as well just get to the, to the site because there's no one there either. And now at least it feels more like a business trip. Yeah, we kind of broke up the week. Uh, you know, if you're going to be nowhere, let's be nowhere different. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair. That's a fair point. Um, when you look at the squad, you talk about its youth. I want to circle back to that. And you know, you've got four seniors on it, but if you look at the starting uh, or the top uh, point getters, for lack of a better description, uh, of the top five or six, only one senior really kind of pops out. The rest are really sophomores. Uh, this is a team that, while it's got some seniors kind of like a lot of teams in Division Three this year, are building from kind of the bottom and building from, from younger underclassmen and, and building towards not only this season and having success with that, but clearly laying a great foundation for the years ahead. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I think our team's pretty well balanced. Um, the one thing that I will acknowledge, I mean, our seniors have been great leaders this year. I mean, Tyler Guerrero, Kelsey Hurley, Kayla Kipling, and Emily Lewis um, you know, they may not be leading us statistically, but they're incredibly important to what we're doing. So those are going to be, you know, big pieces that we're going to have to replace next year. But our scoring, uh, a lot of it is coming from our sophomore class. Uh, we've got key uh, guard play from our junior class. And overall, our depth is our sophomores and freshmen right now. So, you know, we do have hopes uh, going forward that we're going to be, you know, up doing pretty well for a while. But I do think this senior class will definitely be hard to replace for us. You have 11-year players you have played in 21 or more games of your 27 this season, but in the NCAA tournament, coaches tend to shorten the bench just a little bit. How much of your depth is not necessarily affected but has been shifted in the NCAA tournament, especially with media timeouts allowing you some extra breaks? Um, how much have you shortened that bench versus the 11 who traditionally get in to most of your games? Um, you know, against Johnson and Wales, we we kept the we kept the rotation pretty deep um, because it seemed like all our kids were flying that night. We just wanted to go out and apply as much pressure as possible. Against Stockton, more of a grind out game, a little slower. We did shorten the rotation a little bit. I mean, I think we played seven or eight consistently in that game. Um, but I do think, you know, for us to be at our best, we need to get to like nine players, ten players potentially playing because. You know, the pace we'd like to play is pretty quick. Um, and to do that, I think you do need depth. But you're right. The game is a little different in the NCAAs with the media timeouts. So, you know, we're going to have to kind of see how the game goes against Bowdoin. If it's a fast game, you know, we'll probably use some depth. If it's, you know, a grinded out, slower game, you know, we may shorten it as well. 
Uh, speaking of, of those media timeouts, you know, speaking of speed, um, before we let you go, the kind of curiosity there, if you want to go up-tempo, you've got four extra breaks built in now that kind of stop things midway through the periods. Um, granted, not as intrusive as the men's and the old women's rules were, but how much does that keep you from being able to go up pace like you want to? It does. I mean, it just uh, forces you to start and stop a lot more uh, in the course of a game. But, you know, you can play break to break and try and get it going in as fast as you can during those times. But, you know, the teams at this level, um, the pressure doesn't affect them as much. Uh, defensive pressure, they handle it. Um, so it may be one of those games where you play possession to possession and you really have to value them. And, you know, I know, no, I know Bowden can do that. I mean, they played an incredibly tough schedule. Um, they're not going to be scared of anything. They're going to be ready to play. So it's just going to be two very good teams going at it. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. Don't want to take too much more of your time. I know you got want more film to look over. I know you want to get the, the team focused a little bit more on the game at hand for Friday night, so we'll let you go. But I appreciate you taking the time to join us. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I will say, you know, we're just enjoying the ride here. Uh, kind of feels like the first time in a while for us. Um, but I really want to say how much we appreciate, you know, everything D3Hoops.com does for our sport. Uh, without it, you know, a lot of people would not know the detail, at least, or the depth of what goes on in our sport. So I just want to say thank you to Pat, and I'm going to miss him. Uh, I know he's leaving it in capable hands, but we're definitely appreciative of all that D3Hoops does. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words, and I'm sure Pat does as well. You're you're right, Gordon's a good man, but we'll miss Pat as well. At least he'll be lurking in the background. Uh, appreciate you taking the time, Coach. Good luck this weekend. Thank you, Dave. Jim Scheibel joining us here from Rochester. I spoke earlier, I mentioned that um, Carnegie Mellon had hung 95 points up on, on Rochester and saying something about 68 points. 68 points is how much Rochester scores a game. They actually give up about 57 points a game, so that 95 is even more surprising. But again, that's that Carnegie Mellon team we mentioned got through the NCAA tournament uh, so far with two big wins. Three U UAA teams again in the tournament. We'll see if they can get two into the next weekend. When we come back, plenty more hoops, though. Um, I'm, I'm sure we're going somewhere, so follow us on Twitter to find out exactly who our next guest is uh, at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thanks to our partners at the City of Salem for hosting our hotline course, Men to Men's Championship in Salem in just about a week. Buy your tickets today and join us in the Roanoke Valley for some good times and some good basketball. If you're a women's fan, though, make sure you uh, check out our friends at, at uh, Capitol in Ohio as well. You're listening to Hoops. We'll be back with more right after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. Uh, it was hard to look at people's faces. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. 
I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Our sectional preview as we get ready for the sectionals. Obviously, 32 teams, 16 on both the men and women's side, trying to vie to get to the championship weekends. Of course, on the women's side, that is Capital hosting the Final Four championship in Indianapolis 16 days after that. So we still got some time before we crown a champion in women's basketball. But uh, a week from today, on the men's side, we'll be talking about the four teams left who will get a chance to crown a champion a little over a week. However, we're still talking about women's basketball here. Varying sites, obviously, around the country and looking to see who might get out of this round of games or this weekend of games. I don't think the hosts are necessarily safe in any of their locations. Um, and that may be very true at St. Thomas, where there is a very good collection of good teams taking to the floor, and including St. Thomas, obviously. But one of the games that's the most intriguing, George Fox, number two versus number six, UT Tyler. How does this one play out, especially considering I think George Fox may be playing a little above themselves and Tyler might be flying a little bit under the radar despite the number six ranking. So we figured we might as well talk about this topic. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem, is the head coach for UT Tyler, Kendra Hassel. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thank you. I should say welcome back, considering we had you near the beginning of the year. Um, That's right. Congratulations on a tremendous season. I know when we talked at the beginning of the year, you were still acclimating yourself a little bit with this program, being a first-year head coach. You certainly had some high expectations, but but honestly, did you have expectations of a twenty-nine and one season? <laughs> no, I sure did not. I've just been really proud and impressed with how our players have jumped right on board and adopted our philosophy and picked up our new system and everything and obviously could not be prouder of the effort and the success we've achieved yeah to say that they've picked up the system might be an understatement uh, <laughs> scoring is very high uh, i think they've enjoyed that fact um, mm -hmm. and certainly you guys are, are playing well but you're outscoring your opponents by nearly 20 points a game scoring 84 points a game and allowing 64 and a half there's a whole mess of 80 and 90 point games in here uh, even a couple of 100-point games in the middle of the season. Uh, was it easier to transition into what you wanted to do than you anticipated? I think it was, but I knew coming in that we had great shooters and uh, really good scores overall. And 
Um, so the transition wasn't too bad because we're really great shooters from the perimeter. Now um, filling in the post role after losing an All-American uh, was more of the question mark, and we started to achieve some balance there. And so that's why we're able to, to still knock down shots on the outside because we have some inside game that helps open that up. You have four players in double figures. You're shooting 45% from the floor, 35% from beyond the arc, uh, out-rebounding your opponents by about five rebounds a game. Uh, Michelle Obach leads the way at 18 points a game. Um, Mackenzie May and Deona Matthews both with 11 and 12 points, and also Alex Cochner with 10.5 points a game. And, and we shouldn't even uh, forget uh, Raglan, who's got nine points a game. That's a lot of weapons. Uh, for you, and certainly all of them have played every single game of the season. When you have that many matchups to deal with, is that is that a big advantage for the opponent uh, in the sense, I mean, I should say for you against the opponent, considering it doesn't look like you can necessarily double-team anybody? No, you really can't. And just the the balance I was talking about of being able to score inside, opening up, opening up the perimeter. We've had several opponents who have tried to take McKenzie out of the game, you know, as the shooting guard on the wing. Uh, but when they do, it leaves it one-on-one in the post, or they try to really um, force Michelle to the ball out of her hand, um, and someone else always picks up the slack. And uh, you listed the people that have scored um, double figures or averaging close to it, but we also have some players that have come off the bench and hit you know 20 points on a given night. And so to have that balance and the ability to you know come in you know with bench players that can score it, it, it gives us you know a whole lot of weapons. Yeah, and you're also very deep on the bench. Um, mm-hmm. You played five players or six players in every single thir- of, of the of the thirty games you've had, uh, and you played another five players in twenty one of those thirty, and then it's a steep drop off from there. Um, mm-hmm. Has that has that depth been an advantage? Um, is it also maybe a little sign of you still trying to figure out where your key players are, especially coming off the bench? Right. Early, it definitely was a sign of, of figuring out who fit the best. And, you know, some players adjust to new systems quicker than others. Um, we've had players step up late and take on more significant roles. But we've also had some injuries. So, really, you know, as far as um, playing in each of our games, we would have had a couple more players that would have played in all 30 if they hadn't been injured at different times. Uh, but, you know, we're real impressed with where we are with our depth, and we don't feel like there's a huge drop-off when we have to get someone else in there. I'm talking to Coach uh, Hassel here, head coach of UT Tyler. Team is into the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, number sixth ranked in the country. I said at the beginning, Coach, you guys might be flying a little bit under the radar. And granted, you're number six. Technically, that means you're not (laughs) flying under the radar. (laughs) But at the same time, a team coming out of Texas, um, not that, you know, a first-year head coach for the program, not necessarily a lot known about this squad, especially when you compare back to last year. Different offense, different players technically stepping up. You know, there's a lot of unknowns on the national mm-hmm. scale of things. And now you go headlong into George Fox. On paper, to me, this seems like an, a pretty cool matchup. I don't think there's necessarily a favorite or, or anybody who who's, doesn't have a chance in this game. But is the under-the-radar part helping maybe? I believe so. I mean, I've always liked to be the underdog, so to speak, and <laughs> we have not really been in that role all season because in our conference and, you know, to even our non-conference opponents, we've been ranked all year, and so we felt like we had the target on our backs, and now it's kind of kind of nice to be in a different role just knowing that George Fox is ranked number two and they're undefeated, and uh, we have a chance to go and, and knock off the number two team in the country. 
Yeah, it would be certainly impressive to, and a big win for you guys. Uh, obviously, you've hit the road, <laughs> or I should say the air. Right. Uh, <laughs> you have flown to lovely Minnesota, maybe a change in, in temperature compared to the central part of mm-hmm. Texas. Um, mm-hmm. But how has the week gone for your team? Obviously, you hosted over the weekend, but how has everything transitioned for this week? It's gone well, and from the coaching standpoint, um, you know, when you're at home a little bit, you have less control over what your players are doing, and um, I actually like being on the road a little bit. We've had a great travel schedule here. We've been here, we got here yesterday, been here all day today. We're able to practice already, and um, I get to make sure they eat good food and go to bed at night, and so from my standpoint, I kind of like being out away from from school and, and whatever they might be doing that distracts them a little bit. Uh, but, but things are going well. We're getting ready to go to the Mall of America and look around since we have a little downtime. <laughs> that is perfect. Go see the biggest yeah. mall in the in the world, uh, I think, or at least that's the right. country, and, and, and take in uh-huh. some of the sights. Um, right. I don't want to take any shot at Minnesota and say that's all that's up there because that's not necessarily true. <laughs> um, obviously, St. Thomas is a, a great place to play and, and looking forward to this game. I want to back up the weekend, though. You saw UC Santa Cruz and Claremont Mud Scripts. Santa Cruz, kind of the unknown team, hadn't played many D3s in the second half of the season. And then Claremont Mud Scripts, who probably was better than people thought they were, certainly got a big win over Trinity, Texas. What did you think of those two games, which you ended up winning rather relatively easily? Both games were extremely competitive. The final score was a little bit different than how the game actually went. It, it was a tight game all the way through against both of them. Um, I thought that they have great competitors on their team. They shoot it really well from the perimeter. They both have size on the inside and actually size on the wing as well. And we haven't seen um, as much size as that, you know, within our own league. And so that was an adjustment, just um, figuring out how to, to score around or through the size. And, um, but I was real impressed with both programs and the way that they, they played us. You know, I felt like we just sort of outlasted them in the end. And maybe that was a, you know, could be attributed to our depth a little bit. Uh, certainly uh, outplayed them in the sense of, of us scoring them and, and getting the big victory, and certainly two first-round games at home. You know, you played mm-hmm. nine of the last ten games at home. You, you've gotten <laughs> very comfortable with the Harrington mm-hmm. Patriot Center. Is making this week maybe a little bit more challenging, especially considering this is a really long trip? Right. It's always different when you're playing on the road. And, you know, shooting in somebody else's gym, the rims are a little bit different. They may be tight or or whatever. The backdrop's different. And, of course, we had a lot of success in our own gym, so you take that in. And and we had great crowds over the weekend. I was really impressed with our fans and how they came out to support us. So, of course, we'll have that different feel. Um, One benefit is that, you know, we're not playing the home team to start out. So, you know, at least we get George Fox on a neutral court. Yeah. Um, so, so we do have that going. How hard is it not to look too far ahead? I mean, you're you're only a couple victories here from heading to Capital, and the championship weekend, and that can be tempting. That can to look the, into that direction and that far and go, we're knocking on the mm-hmm. door. How hard is that to resist doing and to truly <laughs> focus on on George Fox? It really is hard, um, but just knowing the caliber of team we're going up against makes it. Um, a little bit more important that we do stay focused. And we've had that, you know, issue all season. Our, you know, we were undefeated in our league for a long time, and we just had to keep focused on the next game because, um, you know, you, you never wanted to get knocked off by someone that you were supposed to beat, so to speak. And so um, I feel like we've sort of set the standard uh, with our players, and, and they do a good job of, of focusing on the task at hand. And we get real specific, you know, obviously with our game plans. And so, 
we just talk about those things, and we're trying to trying not to look too far ahead. Um, quickly back to Michelle Obach, if you don't mind. She's a great article written up on the uh, front page of D3Hoops.com. Texas Tyler Ready to Travel features her on the photo. And, of course, underneath, it's it's hard to ignore. Shoots 45.5% from outside the arc. Leads the team in three-pointers made, field goal attempts, points, assists, and steals. So we talked about those previous five, certainly, as uh, you know, being a, a catalyst and, and tough to beat. But, man, everything goes through Obach, doesn't it? It sure does, and, you know, the things that the stat sheets don't show is that she's the hardest worker in practice, um, that she comes in with great energy, and she, you know, obviously once she hits a shot in a game, it just settles everyone down and kind of gives them permission to hit shots, too, it feels like. Uh, but she does a great job of, I mean, the assist show, she gets her teammates open, and she finds the right people, and she's able to, you know, work to break presses and get us out of scary situations as well, and um, I just, you know, I can't say enough about her talent and her ability and the way that she has um, taken on the role as, of the, you know, true point guard floor general for us. Uh, this team's young. It's got one senior on it. This certainly mm-hmm. looks like a really good experience. If if you can't get to the championship weekend, it looks like a really good experience for next year. <laughs> um, how many teams are no longer wanting to play you next season? <laughs> I will say scheduling has been more difficult this year, no question. <laughs> I had a feeling. I had a gut feeling uh, that might be right. the case. Now, the only other question is you lost one game. It was to a pretty good Austin squad. Trinity, Texas, as mm-hmm. head coach, talked about Trinity or talked about Austin when we saw them back in January about it being a good test. You lost to them on the road, 82-73. Mm-hmm. That was all the way back in mid-December. How hard mm-hmm. is it to keep the fire and keep the team understanding that this is can be challenging when the last time and the only time you took a loss was three months ago. Mm-hmm. I think that can be very difficult. And, you know, part of the hardest is the, you know, the stretching conference where you're playing some teams that are at the bottom of the league, you yeah. know, and you have to get excited about them and find things that motivate you to, to go out and still play your best and, and not play to that level. Um, but the Austin College game was a, a great game for us to sort of um, kind of re-energize and refocus everyone, and we do revisit that, you know, and, and the things that did not go well for us in that game and the reasons those things happen as reminders of, of what we need to stay away from and, and the things that we need to keep doing better every day in practice. But we talk mostly about, you know, the process and, and what we need to do each day and not necessarily as much about games. And, you know, every time we step on the court, we're looking to get, you know, 1% better. That's sort of cliche you've heard that said. Um, but every chance we step out there is a great opportunity to improve. And I think they've really bought into that. We're trying not to take any shortcuts. That's not what has gotten us here. And, you know, even yesterday we had some punishment running for some shortcuts that happened because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in the round of Sweet 16 or, or whatever. It takes extremely hard work and effort every time you step on the floor to be successful. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to join us, Coach. Tremendous first season for you at Tyler. Obviously, the team has responded accordingly, and it only looks better from here on. But I'm certainly interested to see how you guys do this weekend. Big game against George Fox, and obviously, if you get on beyond that, every game's big anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. As you may remember, we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those maybe tuning in? Yeah, I would just like to reiterate how proud I am of our team and the effort they've put in all year. And um, I think that people don't understand how hard it is to win one game, much less to have such a great record. You know, George Fox being undefeated is incredible, and us having lost only one game, you know, uh, it takes extreme focus and, you know, the stuff that you talked about 
um, with not looking too far ahead. Uh, but it takes really, really hard work. And these players are not just, you know, basketball athletes. They're students, and they have classroom uh, responsibilities to take care of as well. And, I, you know, I just want people to know how difficult it, all of it could be to balance. But really proud of our team and excited to be where we are. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Coach. Uh, good luck, as I said. Uh, and no matter what, we know we'll be talking about uh, Texas Tyler for, for a little while to come. But uh, thank you anyway, and good luck. Thank you. Kendra Hassel joining us here on Hoopsville. Yeah, big game against George Fox. One loss between the two of them. Uh, they will, uh, as we said, will be playing at St. Thomas. Big game uh, coming up uh, 6.30 Eastern time, 5.30 Central time in that game in Minnesota. Uh, obviously to be followed by St. Thomas's game as well. Going to take another break. When we come back, we'll switch gears, go back to some men's basketball. Talk to another team who's making a long trip. They're used to traveling up into the upper Midwest for men's basketball games on this weekend. It's Emory, and they're heading to Augustana to play the Augies. We'll hear from Jason Zimmerman coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Thanks to the City of Salem for hosting the hotline. We'll be back with more right after this. I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a current Division III student athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I believe student-athletes can help break down the barriers of exclusion. I pledge to support and encourage my teammates to support my campus's LGBTQ student group by volunteering and participating in events. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I believe that everyone should be educated on LGBTQ issues. I pledge to work with my athletic department and my campus to foster dialogue and create a community of support, respect, and pride. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. The first hour done. Got one more hour or so left to go. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Appreciate you taking the time to join in on the show. Getting ready for the sectionals coming up this weekend. 32 teams remain on the men's and women's side. we got... Uh, only eight will survive the weekend to move on to play in the championship weekend. Four teams to Capitol to figure out who's going home to the uh, or going on to Indianapolis, I should say. And then obviously we'll have four teams head to Salem for the Division Three Men's Championship weekend there. One of those teams who seems to routinely get shipped out to the Midwest, really, because as we described earlier in the show, there isn't much else you can do with Emory. Because the Northeast and, and Mid-Atlantic areas are full of teams. Uh, you can't find a pod opening for them. Emory's been shipped out to the Midwest, uh, I think, three years in a row now. 
they're maybe getting used to it, but at least they've gotten a couple home games in the meantime. Doesn't matter. A team that started the season four and three got their legs under them for the UAA, won their third UAA title in four years. Their reward this weekend, they're playing the number one team in the country at the number one team in the country's home. Well, we'll find out more about that. Jason Zimmerman joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline, uh, sponsored by the City of Salem. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me. Excited about uh, being able to talk. I appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, you and I chatted back at the uh, Hoopsville Classic when you came to town. Um, Just you and St. Thomas doing me proud. I I appreciate that. Um, (laughs) You took on um, uh, St. Thomas and Stevenson in games four and five of what was a jam-packed November. Um, How do you think you guys are different between then and now? Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting year. You know, we we lost some really good players, four seniors from last year's team, player of the year in the UAA, and defensive player of the year in the UAA, our starting point guard and our sixth man. Uh, so we lost four guys. So in that at that time in November, we had all those games scheduled. We were kind of searching ourselves. We went through some injury in the preseason, and uh, we were really searching for our team, our identity, and. Uh, and as you said, we you know we end up four and three. We, we played good teams and we played a lot of road games. So, uh, but four and three is uh, uh, looking at as not a great place to be f- for uh, a team that uh, wants to be better, obviously. Um, but I think we text back uh, back and forth after that four and three, and, and I think the text was, "Hey, it's going to be a process with this team," and the guys have been uh, phenomenal since that point. Uh, just getting better every day and, and not trying to look too far ahead, but hey, let's just try to do a little bit better and see see where we can take this story of a season. And they've done a great job, and we're excited to be here uh, and still playing. It's interesting. You've almost had a season of thirds. That month of January was the first seven games for you guys. You were four and three. The next seven games took place in December, where you only played three games. That's a little weird. <laughs> and a few yeah, games yeah. in January. You went five and two there. So, you know, a little bit of an improvement. <laughs> Since then, the next eleven games, you're nine and two. You've, you know, it's almost like you've been building the season. Built yourself in stages. You had a, a rough start and a jam packed start. You then had a spread out kind of second set of seven there that you did a little bit better, and then figured everything out. And since then, have really been on a roll. Yeah, it's funny because we haven't really looked at it like that. I mean, now that we look back, we can see that. You know, we we kind of say this is kind of what happened, but. Really, we've just been saying, "Hey, how much can we get better today? Can we can we do something uh, in this game? Can we compete and have a chance to win?" And you look at a lot of our scores. I mean, a lot of them come down to the last two minutes, four minutes, uh, and have to make a play to win, or we haven't made shots. We found a way to win, or we made shots, found a way to win. But uh, you know, this season, and we talked about it when we set our goals at the beginning of the season. You know, we we don't set how many how many wins you want to have or a number or anything like that. Obviously everybody wants to win them all. Uh, but this, this team kind of the seniors kind of said, Hey, let, let's just uh, take it one day at a time. And in the end, let's see how far we can get, or let's see what, what our story can be. Uh, and, and they stayed true to that. And uh, playing Augustana in the sweet 16 is a, uh, is a great part of that story. Um, I misspoke. I said the next 11 it was the next 13. You went 11 <laughs> two in next, next 13. 
Obviously, win the conference was important. The UAE was a little bit on its head. Chicago started off strong, ex as expected. We're number one in, in at about the turn, if you for a golf reference there for everybody, right. um, just short of the turn. Let's say they were approaching the ninth hole in the lead, um, and then things flipped. You guys made the trip with Rochester out there. You got control of the conference at about that point, and then you had a battle with Rochester with NYU nipping at your heels. This isn't yeah. exactly how everybody thought the UAA would turn out. Did you even think you'd be in the mix? Yeah, you know, I don't know if we thought we'd be in the mix. I thought we had a chance, obviously. I think when we talked uh, in November, uh, the league had, had so many uh, moving parts, right? Like Chicago had everybody back, and NYU had some seniors. We had some guys we thought would be pretty good. Rochester had some good juniors uh, that we thought could be pretty good. So, um you know, we try not to look look ahead and say, "Hey, here's where we're going to be." But we had a great week, uh, uh, two swings actually in the meter part of the season where we went Chicago wash and then uh, Chicago wash again, and, and we were fortunate enough to win those four. That, that's when really we thought, "Hey, we could do something pretty special here and, and win the league." And winning our league uh, twice, uh, twice in a row, or outright twice in a row, and three of the last four. That, uh, our guys take great pride in that. It's it's such a difficult league because of the travel, because of the Sunday at noon games, and and you have to be lucky. And I mean, Rochester went through injuries, Chicago went through injuries, NYU went through their, their uh, injuries. So everybody goes through their spell where you're uh, you have to fight uh, fatigue, you have to fight some of those things and play well. And uh, we we're fortunate enough to come, you know, to be able to play Rochester there at the end. And I mean, Luke Luke did a heck of a job this year. Luke had. I mean, he wins nine UAA games in a row. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible, you know, to 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 be able to win nine UAA games in a row. It's really difficult to do. And uh, Luke had that run. I know Chicago had a run where they won 12 in a row. Uh, uh, NYU had a run this year where they won, I believe, 12, 13 in a row. So uh, we had some really good teams in our league that uh, we're, we're fortunate enough to come out on top. But we uh, we take great pride in that, and uh, you know, Washu won five in a row down the stretch. Case won some big ones down the stretch. So, and we got beat by you know, Brandeis and Case. So, we, uh, we we take great pride in that. I think our league is a, a very difficult one, and it, uh, it's a great experience for our student athletes. Uh, and we're very uh, fortunate and proud to represent the UAA. Um, you question the beginning of the season and throughout the season was how does Emory replace Alex Foster and others that you lost? I mean, they such an integral part of this team and integral in bringing you guys to where you are. Well, you replace them with it turns out four guys: Will Trowick, uh, Adam Gigax, uh, Davis Rao, Jonathan Terry, all in double figures in scoring. Yeah. All of them with four or more rebounds a game. There isn't anybody who dominates the stat sheet. This has turned, you know, Alex Foster was a tr tremendously good talent, and obviously, you know, that was the offense. You know, you, you wanted to get it to him. You seem to have a different kind of all-encompassing team offense now. Yeah, and, and I think that was kind of the struggle at the beginning of the year was, you know, we we're so used to giving the ball to Alex in the late talk or late game, yeah. and saying, hey, he's going he's to make a play. And, and this year, you know, we didn't necessarily have that. Will definitely was the, the guy that we went to, and, and he kind of grew into that, um, but but it wasn't uh, hey we're gonna we're gonna get the ball to him on, on the side and let, and let him score. It was more of a uh, hey if I'm open I'm I'm gonna be able to score. But as we got through the UAA and we won some big games down the stretch, it really was um, guys trusting each other. So if if I didn't have a shot, I trusted to throw the next pass and then I trusted to throw the next pass. 
And we, and we made some big plays because of that trust. And it was very different than the last year with Alex Foster or the year before Jake Davis. And those guys were, were very good at, and, and could score anytime they, they, they had it. They were a threat to score. Uh, we think we have a lot of threats out there to score this year. Uh, and, and it's just got to be the right guy stepping up at the right time. So that's a, it's a definitely a different um, a feel for a coach. I mean, just as our guys were going through it, I was going through it, our staff was going through it. You know, where do we want to, you know, where do we want to take this last possession, or what do we want to do late clock? So uh, it was a growing process, and the guys have done a great job of getting better and trusting each other and uh, being committed to what we're doing. So uh, definitely a, a process throughout the year, and, and one we're really happy with uh, where we are right now. Um, Augustana is the, the, your next team. Obviously, big challenge ahead. <laughs> Number one team in the country. You're playing them at their yeah. place. You've certainly gotten used to making the trip out to the Midwest, uh, whether it be Wisconsin or Illinois. Um, you know, you, you got to go into Rock Island. You're at Rock Island. You know, what yep. What did you see on tape? What do you think you can take advantage of? of obviously, everyone's favorite to get to Salem. Can you ruin the day? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, we're going to play possession at a time. And uh, see what see what we can do and put ourselves in position, hopefully to win the game. Uh, they're they're phenomenal. Great does a great job, and they their senior leadership. Obviously, they have seven seniors, I believe. Uh, but you watch them on film. I, I was telling people that I watched ten minutes of them on Sunday night, and I, I shut off the computer and went to sleep because I figured it was going to be a long week uh, getting ready for them. They they're very impressive on film. Strong, mature, uh, been through all kind of battles. So. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. You know, you talked about coming to Augustana. The last four years we, we've been in the tournament, and you know, three years, the last three we've made it to this level around at least. Uh, and But we've gone to Whitworth. The first year we went to Whitworth in a round of 32, and their environment was unbelievable in their gym in the NCAA tournament. The last two years we played point and at Stevens Point and played Whitewater the first year after that. And uh, at Stevens Point, and now we get to come to this atmosphere in Augustana, and I haven't been in here, obviously, but watching it on film, just excited for our guys to be part of this uh, atmosphere and be able to go into a place like this in Division Three, this level. And those are three or four of the best environments at our, at our level uh, to play a game, and to be able to do those the last, to be in those environments the last four years and compete um, is so exciting for our program, and uh, you know, it helps you play better. Uh, obviously, it takes you. You got to be able to play with that uh, the noise, and not just the noise, but the teams. Those teams like uh, Whitworth through four years ago, or the last four years, Stevens Point, Augustana. They're they're ter- tremendous teams. Uh, it's not just the environment; it's the programs that that we get to play. So, excited about the opportunity, and uh, we'll see what we can do to compete tomorrow. Uh, I got a message from John Tyre. Apparently, is listening to the show. <laughs> He says, stop sandbagging. <laughs> oh, he knows we're not sandbagging. He kicked our butt, you know, at Hoopville. And he's, uh, yeah. uh, I've gotten to know John, obviously. That's a great, uh, one of the great points and parts about Hoopville. We got to know some guys that I hadn't had met and uh, got to know John throughout the years. So he, he knows I'm, I'm not sandbagging. He kicked our butt uh, there. And, uh, so, but. I'm sure he'll be ready to go for sure. Oh, I'm sure. Of course, both of you guys in Rock Island. Uh, I will be in Chicago. There's an outside chance I might be daring enough to drive across Illinois on Saturday. 
Well, I'm going to want to see what the outcomes are at both locations first. Uh, Jason, I'm running behind time, so I want to let you go, sure. but I really appreciate you coming on the show. Good luck, obviously, on Friday against Augustana. And and nothing against anybody else there, but it would be really funny if St. Thomas and Emory faced off in the Elite Eight just, just because of the last <laughs> two minutes here uh, on the show. Um, as always, though, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, uh, every time on, I just want to uh, thank you guys for uh, D3 Hoops and Hoopsville and you, Dave, for all you do. Hey, Pat's leaving you, leaving us, but uh, all, all that you guys do for our uh, for our level of basketball and just basketball in general and getting the, getting the word out there. Some phenomenal basketball teams and atmospheres, environments, student athletes, and we just appreciate all you do for that. I think we have a, a very good basketball team. Our seniors have have done a great job for our program. Like I said, our seniors are three UAA championships and four NCAA tournaments, three Sweet 16s, and the Elite Eight. Uh, they have 81 wins at Emory. Just really proud of those guys, and we look forward to competing tomorrow against a, a great team. And uh, but thanks for all you do uh, for Division Three basketball and and all of us. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jason. Appreciate it as well. Maybe I'll see you in Salem. Good luck this weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Jason Zimmerman joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time out there in Rock Island, uh, Moline, uh, Davenport, however you want to call the Quad City area on the Mississippi River. Uh, again, they take on number one Augustana game time, 8.30 local or Eastern, 7.30 Central and local time. Going to take another break when we come back. Amherst men's basketball Dave Hickson is taking a break from his dinner to join us on the show. Uh, we'll talk to him about the... Uh, Used to be called a mascot team, now the purple team in central Massachusetts. We'll talk to him about that squad coming up. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Once again, thanks to the City of Salem, sponsor of our Hoopsville Hotline. Buy your tickets to the Men's Championship Weekend and join us in the Roanoke Valley next week. More Hoopsville after this. With every basket and every stop, the skill of elite student-athletes will be on display. The sights, the sounds, the intensity of an NCAA championship. It all comes down to this moment, and the winner takes it all. Be there to share the experience with your family and friends. The 2016 NCAA Division III Men's Basketball Championship, March 18th and 19th at Salem Civic Center in Salem, Virginia. Visit NCAA.com tickets to score your championship seats today. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I'm a current Division III student-athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student-athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division III. We are Division III student-athletes, and you can be too.
If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Oh, I'm back. I forgot about my own cue. Apparently, the director did not cue the talent. That'd be Dave not cueing Dave. Sorry about that. Welcome back to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Uh, a couple more guests here, and plus your questions to wrap up the show. We'll also talk quickly about the Jostens coming up. Uh, if you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We just got done talking to Emory men's basketball coach Jason Zimmerman. Once again, thanks to him for coming on the show. Now we'll jump all the way from uh, the, the Mississippi River, literally the shores of... We will jump all the way to the shores of the Atlantic Ocean, the Boston area. That's where Amherst is located because they're at Tufts this weekend, kicked out of their own gym by the women's program. Eh, what can you do, right? Uh, joining us on the Hoopsville Hotlines, uh, presented by the City of Salem, is the head coach of Amherst, Dave Hickson, a number 15th ranked team. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. A pleasure to be here. I can't believe it's been this long since we talked to you. You are usually a, uh, a, a usual... <laughs> Guest of, of, of the show, uh, it, 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 it's, I struggle not to get you on the show. This year, uh, we found others in New England to talk to and, and somehow pushed you aside. I hope you don't mind. No, it's all good. It's, uh, sometimes it's great to be overlooked and stay under the radar. <laughs> I don't blame you a bit there. Hey, uh, so number one, uh, well, I should say not number one, but you guys finished um, second in the conference behind Trinity. You end up in yet another conference tournament game, and unfortunately another low seed beat you guys for the title, and you guys get in as an at-large. The NESCAC, before we get to the season and before we get to the tournament, the NESCAC has kind of evolved into a bit of a beast. Yeah, it really has. Uh, you know, uh, there was a time, uh, you know, when you really couldn't pick who the bottom teams were going to be. And, uh, you know, we leave three out. Uh, three don't make the tournament, which is really unfortunate. And, uh, you know, for instance, Colby, I thought Colby was as good as anybody. Uh, you know, they had all those seniors. They got, unfortunately, they had injuries and stuff. But you just go right down the list of teams. And, it, it uh, yeah, it's it's a tough conference. Um, obviously it's always been tough, but it's just deeper than it used to be. I'm even hearing, I, before I jump into all the, the more important stuff, I'd love to get your opinion on something. I'm hearing a few coaches, and one of them, Joe Riley from Wesleyan, said it on this show, talking about they'd like to maybe go to a double round robin in this conference, maybe give everybody <laughs> a better chance at settling themselves out for starters and maybe create a better conference tournament. What's your thought on that? I heard a chuckle. Yeah, you know, I don't... Uh... You know, I, I was I was one of the founding fathers that, that you know we we at one point in time even uh, you know we tried to have a ten team tournament so everybody could be in it. Now we're eleven, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the double round robin piece, um, you know, that's not you know that's okay. I mean, if we do it, we do it. I, it's not really for me. I'm just uh, you know I just am not going to road to. Uh, to Waterville, Maine, at least once every year. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, you know, I have to tell you that, like every other year, I have my three main trips: Bowden, Colby, and Bates, all in the same year. And then the other one's the Hamilton, Williams, Middlebury. So I guess one one offsets the other. But you know, you do that every year to go to Hamilton, to go to Colby uh, every year. And you know, if the young guys want to do that and stuff, I'm I'll do it. But you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I love, I love the way I love the way we do it right now because it, and the other thing it allows us to do is that it really allows us to uh, to play 
out of conference games, and and that's what I love about the NCAA is that you know you, you like for for instance, and maybe we'll get there eventually, but this tournament this weekend, except for two points, if Trinity beats Johnson and Wales, mm-hmm. it's the NASCAR semifinals again. And yet you're in the 816 of of uh, the NCAA's. You know you substitute uh, Bo, uh, uh, Babson for Middlebury, and so my thing is that like I love playing Brandeis. You know, uh, me and such a good coach and does such a great job with that program. And so like I love playing them every year. I love playing Stevie Brennan every year. And here we are playing them again. But they're all good friends, uh, and we wouldn't play them if we went double round robin. We probably wouldn't play them. And, and, and we play some. I, I love playing Eastern Connecticut. I love playing Rhode Island College. Used to be how we used to sort of sharpen our teeth for the tournament because they were just they were better. They were a different type of team that that no doubt someplace along the road we were going to meet in the NCAA tournament. And NESCAC schools aren't like Rhode Island College was. And so Rhode Island under Bob Walsh was in the May. We had some wars. And so you take out Rhode Island, you take out Eastern, you take out Brandeis, you take out Babson. You know, I, that's a that's a strong schedule. I really miss playing those guys, and uh, and I think when you go double round robin with eleven teams, uh, I think you know you basically do. Well, we so, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't necessarily think you could go double round robin. I think you maybe go to an ODAC model, um, personally. But that's that's beside the point. I, um, I I'd love to see it because I'd so there. Well, I, I'm biased. I like to see. I like to see these Williams. Obviously, you play Williams twice, but I want to see these other matchups twice. I'm, I'm, I, that's just me. I'm, it's because I want to right. see it. <laughs> that, but I'm, I'm, I'm coming from a completely different point of view. Um, yeah. Coach, obviously, this season was interesting because you guys kind of had an up and down. You started really strong. Uh, then you kind of got a couple, you know, stumbles. Colby got you. Wesleyan got you. Tufts got you. And Rhodes randomly got you in January and so everyone's kind of like what's going on and then Middlebury got you at the end of the term you have seemed like you're flying a little bit under the radar which isn't I'm not used to uh, a team from central (laughs) Massachusetts who wears purple doing that all that often yeah you know I mean I I keep trying to you know we we were grinding all year um, you know because we did have some ups and downs and we were inconsistent from the foul line Uh, dreadful when we played Colby and we lose by two uh, you know, Rhodes, i tell you what, I don't think I've taken a trip maybe once or twice. I think when you saw me down at uh, Goucher, mm-hmm. we, we won two on that trip. But we typically split on the trip just because our guys have had two weeks off and we're just back and the whole thing. And, uh, and you know, we played Weston. We beat Weston by 26, I think it was. And I could see it in my guys' eyes when we went down, even though I was banging my fist on the table, you know, trying to get them ready. You know, we thought, hey, we beat them by 26 you know we're better than there, and and we were we were horrible. And uh, and again, Joe's guys played well. I'm not taking anything away from from Joe. The uh, so, you know, we've had inconsistency, absolutely positively, no doubt. And so the funny thing is, we're like 19 and four, and we're grinding. I mean, in the office, the office is brutal. We're grinding, trying to figure it out, just solve the puzzle, right? And uh, I finally had to say, guys, stop, stop. You know, we're 19 and four. We're not four and 19. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, here we are, 24 and, what are we, 24 and 5? 24 and 5? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd take that any year. And, and, and yet we have been inconsistent. And so uh, I'll tell you, when we play well, and, you know, I, I remember seeing you last year, mid, you know, early January at Goucher, and telling your boy, I'd hate to play us in March. That was even last year, and it's the same group this year. And on our day, um, you know, we're really good. And we've had some real stumbles too, and so uh, I'm hoping this weekend is 
I hope from the, the the good vibes this weekend. Got Connor Green, the senior, and leading the team at 15 points a game, six and a half rebounds. Three other guys in double figures: Johnny McCarthy, a junior; Jay Daunt, uh Dawson, a sophomore; Jeff Racy, a junior. You also have David Georgia, junior, who's at nine points a game. Um, most of those guys also haul in their fair share of rebounds. McCarthy and George five or more to go along with green uh, Dawson's handing out three and a half assists, certainly a nice team. Um, but as you said, inconsistency, that's certainly what I've seen as well. So as you move yourself forward into the NCAA tournament here, obviously you want to be more consistent. Um, how do you work to gain that consistency? If that makes any sense? Yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, free throw consistency is, is one of the issues and, you know, we're nine for 11 against Cortland, and we win by one. So I'll take nine for 11. Uh, you know, but the night before, we're not good. Uh, when we lost to Middlebury, I think, I think, I think if you include the three front ends that we didn't get to shoot, the two back ends we didn't get to shoot because we missed front ends, I think we were uh, 10 for 21. Mm. And we lose, and we're basically, you know, we score a basket with 33 seconds to go that puts us up one, and they wave it off because they said we carried the ball. And, and, and but you know that's how close it was, and you can't shoot free throws like that. So what do you do with free throws? You know we've tried all sorts of games. We've tried competitive games. We've tried you know shooting more, and some nights we shoot them well, some nights we don't. And so it's that's an inconsistency that I still haven't figured out exactly. You know we work with kids a lot on their shots. Uh, the other piece, you know, is you know our point guards are, are interesting because Jade, who starts, uh, is a dynamic player. I read so if you look at the assists. The turnover ratio reads better, and so they're two different types of point guards. And the good news is they've played off each other pretty well this year. They did not play off each other, for instance, up at Colby. They both had bad days, and that's when that's when we're not very good. Is when our point guards are inconsistent as well. And so, um, yeah, it, it's been a puzzle. It's a good puzzle. I've really enjoyed. I've loved the kids, uh, but it's been a real puzzle. And, and we've, you know, I've got Aaron Toomey and Kevin Hopkins on the staff to, you know, wonderful players in their their own right. And then J.D. Uh, I from Washington Lee, who was a great player for Washington Lee. So we got some good staff guys. And, you know, we've just – it's been a puzzle for us. We've been grinding, trying to figure it out. And, um, you know, you win two more, you're in Salem, though. So That's true. <laughs> if two more and I get to see you. Um, curious. Um, you got Babson ahead of you. Obviously, yep. this game's at Tufts. You got it's a New England pod. We got a we got a very interesting squad in Johnson and Wales in there as well. But how do you prepare for Babson on the two thoughts? If Flannery's back, if Flannery's not back, I assume you prepare for him if Flannery's there. But how do you also adjust then anything you're doing in game? Should Flannery not be able to play? Yeah, I don't think we adjust. I, I think I think Flann- we're we're planning on Flannery playing. We're we're planning on him. Being you know ninety to a hundred percent, you know, and and I think if you prepare for that, you know, then you're ready for the next thing because the next guy down, you know, isn't Flannery, and I think it's a lot easier to sure. adjust down. And that's not saying Babson's a bad. You know, they're not going to be a no. bad team either. Uh, the difference, I think, in what they're doing right now, this kid, uh, and I'm not sure how to pronounce, but Common Alley is, uh, you know, he's a racy type shooter, and he's really spread, you know, the offense out now, and so the defense gets spread out, and the big kids have come into their own. So they're a really good team anyway. But I think you prepare. You have to prepare because I'll tell you what: if, if you prepare at all the other way and get that in your kids' heads at yeah. all, 
uh, and Flannery shows up, you know, that's that's a real problem because he's so good. And and I think you can always go down a little bit. It's not much, but you go down a little bit. And the guy, it's usually McCarthy, that has to cover him the bulk of the time uh, can sort of take a little breath and say, okay, now I'm going to cover this guy or this guy. And they're a lot different than Flannery. Flannery's really one of a kind in New England right now. Can can you take anything? You two, Babson and Amherst, played an epic double overtime <laughs> game in the middle of December. I remember calling that thing up and was just loving watching that game. Um, but can you take anything from that game at this point in the season? I know you probably looked at it six ways to Sunday. Um, yeah. But can you use anything from that game? Or has so much changed maybe with Babson, but especially with your team, that it almost makes that game maybe somewhat irrelevant. Yeah, I mean, I think there are certainly parts of the game that are irrelevant. But, you know, Steve is a, Steve's a terrific coach, and Steve believes in doing you know certain things certain ways. And you're not going to change a whole lot on those things, because, you know, because they do them really well. And, you know, so that's what we've done this week. If we've sort of looked back, we've tried to figure out exactly you know, things that worked, things that didn't work, and how to expose you know, what they do really well uh, and, and use it to our advantage. And so, uh, although it's somewhat irrelevant, uh, not totally. And, and it really, uh, you know, you watch what Flannery did in that game, and he was at full strength then. I think their bigs have gotten better. I think, you know, their bigs have gotten more comfortable. Um, you know, Jax is young. Uh, uh, Nelson is... Uh, uh, it was a transfer. I think transfers coming in, in in the first month or so with their team. It's just hard uh, to find your niche. And I think they've both found their niche now. So, but, but they do a lot of the same things in the post now as well. And so, you know, we've, we've worked on it. You know, we, we work a lot. Different people use different services, but we use crossover. And, you know, so our guys are breaking stuff down all the time, looking at how the individuals, you know, score, how they play defense and how we can attack it. And, uh, yeah, so we've put a lot of work into it, and, and I think that game has, you know, has still some stuff that's going to be the same. I, I tell you right now, I mean, Steve knows too. There are certain things that I do, mm-hmm. and I think re- I think are really good, and and I'm not changing those. And so he he's going to go out and work <laughs> on those. <laughs> You've been doing them since '77, Coach. We don't expect that's you to right. change them. Um, you're st- you're still looking at the old three point line. Um, <laughs> curious, can you get to Salem? Um, you know, I, I think any one of these teams could get to Salem. That's that's the interesting thing. So, so I want to say tough beat Babson. It was either overtime, might have been overtime. We beat Babson. Uh, it was that I think that was at Tufts, and then we beat Babson. Um, you know, uh, in double overtime, could have gone either way. Both games could have gone, but I just talked about could have gone either way. I think that, um, and then we, you know, we come in first half, stink the gym out against Tufts. Come back, but he ended up losing by 11 or something. And then we beat him in the NESCAC semis, which again was an epic game. It was a great, great game. And not because we won it, but because it was just a really well played game. And now they've lost Benny Pace. Um, and, you know, I'm not, they got good kids too. They got a kid stepping in who's, who's shooting the heck out of the ball now in Benny's spot. But so those three teams, I think anything could happen. Johnson and Wales, you know, they're the sort of flying the ointment here. And, they're different, you know. They're different than than the Nescax. They're different than the New Max. Uh, you know, they got some kids that can really play. Uh, you know, the fact that they would go out and you know beat beat up on Albertus is uh, 
is, is a pretty big statement. And uh, so, you know, they're really good. And, and I was talking to Bob Sheldon tonight and just sort of said, look, here's the deal. It, they're two different styles of games. I mean, there's the NESCAC game and then this Johnson Wales game. And, and our kids, you know, if our kids can execute and break their press and their stuff um, and make the open trees that you're going to get at the end of that, then we're going to win. If, if our kids panic and get caught up in their athleticism and and get trapped and, you know, lose the ball and or panic, take a shot, I mean, then, you know, then it goes the other way. And so uh, I, I think it's – I do really think it's a toss-up here. I think it's uh, – you know, I like our guys. I like the way we've been playing. I'll tell you what, the Cortland game was a great game too. Right. And, and it's sort of the way, you know, basketball is supposed to – that, that the officials wanted to play it this year. There were very few fouls. It was, it was great execution. You know, at one point in time, they're playing six seven, six six, six three, six foot, six foot, and every single guy shoots it at thirty eight percent or above. And it was, you know, their big kid, David George, had to go out and play him, and he makes six threes. And so it was an amazing game. I, I actually don't know how we won it. <laughs> uh, we, we came back at the end, which now the night before was different because the night before, like it was, it was like roller derby. I mean, there were guys all over the floor, and fouls by us, fouls by them, no calls. It was it was a crazy game, but you know the, the so I think we're playing well, and I think we certainly have shown people we're down four or five points late in each game and come back and win it. So I think we can win. I think we played tough. Well, I think is when Vinny Pace is with him, it was crazy good, and I think they still are good. But you know, we beat them by three in the NESCAC uh, on neutral court, and it, you know, so I, I think we have the ability to get there. I honestly, do, and um, you know, it's going to be a really interesting weekend. Again, I wish I wish they weren't all, you know, New England teams, uh, and, and having played Babson and Tufts already, but that's okay. I mean, that's I think the fun of the NCAA is always playing new teams. But I think this part's an interesting part, and uh, like I said, I think that uh, Johnson and Wales a wild card. Um, before I let you go, you have been living on the dangerous side of things again. The first two games at home against Hudson by two and by Cortland by one—that's uh, enough to give a coach even more gray hairs. But what can a team learn from those two experiences as well? Yeah, well, so let's see, even like let's go two steps back further. Uh, you know. Uh, so we beat Tufts by three, and we lose at the end to Middlebury. Yeah, and you know that's unbelievable. And so you know we play, we played four really close games in a row. And I, I really do. What you believe, what you learn is that you believe you can win. You know, you start to believe that. One of the things that that happened, we ran out of timeouts at the end of the uh, Cortland game, and we're trying to bark at our kids to tell them what we wanted to do. We had fouls to give. We didn't really want to let them get up the floor to get in position to shoot the ball. And our kids are talking, probably like they've never talked all year long. Mm. And so, you know, you could see it happening. It was good stuff. And I'm thinking like, okay, this is good. This is good. So, you know, you hope it all comes back the next time you play, which, you know, which will be tomorrow night. And Babs is really good. And looking forward to a great game. Um, but I got to tell you, I, I, I love my team. Uh, I wouldn't bet my house. <laughs> I wouldn't bet my house in this pod, although I think we certainly can win it. Uh, I think it's a wide-open pod. It's certainly going to be fun. Yeah. I, have you had any crosswords with G.P. Gromacki about the fact that they didn't allow you to stay at home? I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. They're obviously playing well and deserve to be there as well. You kicked them out the first weekend. so. <laughs> well, and then if you remember, a couple of years ago, we got kicked out yep. in the, uh, and got sent down to Franklin and Marshall, which, which was a tough draw for us to go down there. I was there. Um, 
Yep. And that, so it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I wish there was another way they could do it because it's, it's, uh, there are a lot of schools. The GP's team will always be good. I know that. And we've been pretty good too. We've made it 15 out of the last 16 years. And so it's tough when you're now, now teams that only have a, a good men's team are, it's so spectacular to have the NCAA at your place. Like this is the first time I think Tufts has had one. Yeah. On the men's side, women have had it, but not on the men's. Right. And so this is really special for them. And, you know, people don't, don't know, they don't get it until they get there, how special it is. And yeah. so it's a shame that when you get shipped on the road, when you've spent the whole year, you know, earning the number one seed. But there you go. That's, that's the way life is right now. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I think you should just go build a whole new facility on the Amherst campus. That's all. <laughs> just a thought. Or ask, or ask the big boy, Mass, if uh, you can use their facilities. Yeah, exactly. Go over there. That's all you need. Right. Uh, well, Dave, I appreciate you coming on the show as always. Good luck this weekend. Uh, uh, even if you don't make it, uh, you ought to come to Salem anyway. But uh, if your team makes it, I'll look forward to seeing you. Uh, as always, you give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, just congratulations to everybody else that's you know, still playing. And uh, it's great stuff. It's exciting. And, and as always, I always finish by thanking you and all the stuff that you do for us and uh yeah I, it's how many years have you guys been doing this now show's been on the air for 15 years in some way shape or form yeah that's unbelievable in 15 years and like you know we all take it for granted now that you get up in the morning you type in d3 hoops and <laughs> push your little icon and you go to all the scores you get all you know stories you get you know features you get all this stuff that now everybody takes for granted, and uh, you guys have made that possible for us. And, uh, you know, thank you so much. Well, thank you, Dave. Appreciate the kind words. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? All right, man. Dave Hickson joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. should mention Hoopsville has been around 15 years. This is our 13th year on the, on the air. D3 Hoops has been around 20-plus years. You know, we've been around now a good long chunk of time. And if you missed the news, Pat Coleman is stepping aside um, from the day-to-day operations. He'll still be around. Well, Gordon Mann will pick up his responsibilities. I'll still be here and pick up some extra responsibilities, and we'll bring in a third guy as well, or gal, to, to man the fort, as it were. Going to take another break. When we come back, Worcester men's basketball coach Steve Moore joins us. We're quite a bit behind, but I enjoyed my conversation with Dave Hickson. and didn't want to cut it short. But uh, Steve Moore coming up on Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. Worcester head coach Steve Moore joins us on the City of Salem Hotline. Coming up next. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. For the love of the game, That's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field. 
reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. Division 3 allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division 3 athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hope you're enjoying the program as we get ready for the sectional weekend in Division Three. Lots to talk about, certainly, and we're trying to cover as much as we feasibly can. If there is anybody in the tournament still who we aren't talking to tonight and we may have talked to on Sunday, so go check out our archives from Sunday's show, and you'll hear from the likes of Oswego State, for example, and others who are still in the tournament, uh, but we're just not talking to tonight. Can't talk to all 32 teams in the last two nights, but we're certainly trying to pick and choose. And we're talking to teams, for the most part, that we have not talked to this season, believe it or not. Something about our timing, even despite more shows, being able to talk to more schools this year, that's an advantage of parity. Uh, the other advantage, too, is that we're just getting lucky, to be completely honest. I think we only have maybe one or two repeats the whole night. One of those schools, interesting enough, we have not talked to all season long, would be the Worcester Scots men's basketball team. Certainly had an interesting season this year, maybe down in many people's minds, but certainly um, still powerful and still challenging. And they got a big win, obviously, earlier in the year that we talked about over Ohio Wesleyan. 23-7 and currently still in the NCAA tournament after beating Lancaster Bible, the undefeated Lancaster Bible Chargers in the first round, and then coming from behind to beat Endicott in overtime. All these games at Catholic. Now the team's back on the road and heading to Oswego. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem is Steve Moore, head coach of Worcester. Uh, Coach, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Dave. Appreciate you taking the time. Listen, this is this is an interesting season for you guys. I think you know, a lot of people expected you, maybe you guys, to take a step back a little bit because of uh, of of the amount of, of talent you lost last year and the talent that you're kind of fostering now. And obviously, things are a lot more competitive, both in conference, in region, and nationally. Um, that that it's a different landscape. Most definitely, Dave. And yes, you know, we did have uh, three four-year players graduate. Uh, off of last year's team, and two of those guys were first-team all-conference for us. So we had some big shoes to fill. Uh, we knew we would probably not uh, play great basketball early on as we were mixing in some new guys and uh, uh, new other players who were returning playing in new roles. Uh, so we thought that uh, you know our best basketball would be later in the season, and, and we did improve as the season went along. Um, when you look at uh, the the season, you started off two and two, a couple tough losses early on, one of them to uh, Skidmore and then another to Ohio Wesleyan, of course, at their place. Then you had another loss in Puerto Rico to Salisbury and then another one to Marietta. Interesting enough, those losses kind of bracketed in a three-game stretch, two in three games and two in another three games. Then it seemed like you guys kind of found your legs a little bit. Yeah, you lost to Wittenberg, obviously a rivalry game there at their place. You lost to Hiram in an interesting game later in the season. But for the most part, you seem to find your legs. You're starting to win some tough games. What was it about the midway point or, or the holiday break that seemed to switch you guys in a different direction? Well, that's right, Dave. I think some of our new guys uh, were adjusting to college basketball. 
Uh, we need, we moved two of our freshmen into the starting lineup, uh, and they played some good basketball for us. Uh, I think for the most part it was just uh, guys uh, learning their roles and uh, adjusting to college basketball and uh, just improvement made by individual players as we went along. Um, you then had some fascinating games later in the season. Obviously, you beat Ohio Wesleyan during that stretch, 91-90, in a thriller at your place. Uh, and then later in the season, Denison got you guys in the championship game. Of course, Denison was just riding a wave. They beat the big three W's, as it were, Wittenberg, Ohio Wesleyan, and yourselves. But you guys got into the NCAA tournament despite that. Is there anything you guys have been able to take from the losses and keep moving forward? Is there ever a good timed loss necessarily for, for a run like this? Well, Dave, I think uh, it seems like you always learn more when you lose. Uh, if you win a close game, even if you didn't play well, uh, there's a tendency to gloss over things that you didn't do well. But when you lose, you really examine things hard. And uh, we did that after each loss this season. I think playing the tough non-league schedule, the teams you mentioned, Skidmore, Salisbury, Marietta, really helped make us better. Uh, Those games challenged us, and even though we lost, um, we improved as a result. That's what we always look to do. And then even after the Denison game, even though it was late in the year, it made us take a hard look at things, and uh, I think we, we improved as a result of that also. Um, when you, again, you talk about that out-of-conference schedule and the challenges with it, uh, obviously you're, you, everyone has d- discovered that it's good to get a little bit of a challenge outside of conference. But the conference has certainly changed a little bit. Uh, Ohio Wesleyan, certainly now more of a preeminent uh, favorite in the mix now. Wittenberg's fallen off but is now kind of returning to their former glory. Uh, Hiram's in the mix. You've had Denison certainly in play. The rest of this conference has had kind of a shakeup with who's competitive in the middle has certainly gotten tougher. Has that made Worcester's program even better? Well, there's no doubt, Dave, that our, our conference, the North Coast Athletic Conference, has improved from top to bottom a great deal in the last few years. Uh, our strength of schedule uh, has risen because of that. Our, our teams are doing better out of the league. Um, some new coaches have come in and just built their programs and improved their programs. Uh, DePaul even though they were young this year and uh, uh, didn't have as good a year. Of course, last year they won the conference tournament. Right. That, that's changed our conference by, by make, bringing another real powerful athletic program into the conference. Uh, so, yes, it's just uh, the landscape of our conference has changed a lot over the last three and four years. When you looked at what you guys did, you traveled to, to Catholic in the opening weekend, obviously, and then you took on Lancaster Bible and ultimately Endicott. That's that's kind of teams you may not have faced those styles before, especially Lancaster Bible uh, in that opening game. How did you guys prepare for the Chargers, and you know, what what did that game kind of turn into? Well, Dave, um, a big part of our preparation was uh, just a huge emphasis on taking care of the ball, not turning it over, because they scored so many. This year they scored so many of their points as a result of steals, opponents' turnovers. A huge game that... Uh, we, we took a lot from was uh, the fact that they beat Franklin and Marshall. Of course, everybody made a big deal about Lancaster Bible's schedule not being strong, but when we saw that they beat Franklin and Marshall by 28 points, and of course everybody's familiar with Franklin and Marshall's program, if you do that, you're legit, you have good talent, you're a good team. And so that really alerted us to the fact that uh, you know we needed to take care of the basketball against those guys. 
Um, was that ultimately the difference? I mean, it, it certainly on paper looked, and I saw a little bit of video, but it certainly on paper looked like a, a great X's and O's game. Um, it certainly seemed like Lancaster Bible was right there in it for the most part. They just missed some open looks that may have changed the, the dynamic of the game. They did, and they're a good basketball team. There's no doubt about it, David. Um, but, you know, I think they only scored 32 points in the first half. Uh, you know, averaging 94 points yeah. a game going in. Yeah. And so I think, uh, you know, a lot of people will say our defense was the key, but, and we did, we think we did play pretty good defense, but our efficient offense was the big key, I think. The fact that we didn't turn it over that much in the first half, we did not take many ill-advised shots, and therefore uh, they were not able to get their transition game going. Um, you then faced Endicott in the next round, obviously Endicott with the upset of Catholic, so you kind of had a quiet gym except for the strong Scots faithful who showed up uh, in Washington, D.C., and by all accounts they were certainly vocal. Um, Endicott, you guys had to come from pretty far back, double digits back, just to force overtime. Was there a bit of a letdown after the Lancaster Bible game? I'm not real sure, Dave. It's hard to explain. I asked our players you know, afterwards, you know what do you think it was? Why didn't why did we not play real well, especially the first half? And that's not to take anything away from Endicott. Sure, they're a fine team and they they really played well, but um, we were not very efficient on offense in that first half. Uh, we were uh, impatient, taking some shots. We had some turnovers that we shouldn't have had. Um, I'm not sure what it was, but uh, fortunately we were able to make the comeback. We started to get it going offensively in the second half. The thing that made it tough is. Endicott had so much confidence. They had that lead, and they were just shooting the ball so well. It seemed like every time we started playing well and making shots, they would make uh, even more shots. And, uh, of course, as you know, it was still, I think, a double-digit deficit for us with about five minutes left. Uh, That's what the amazing part is. You guys came rallying back really late in that game to force overtime and then took control in overtime to win by by eight and certainly experience usually they say is is the key here but again you have somewhat of an inexperienced team a young team they haven't had to come from behind in the ncaa tournament before this team grew up quite a bit this opening weekend well yeah our our freshman players uh in the starting lineup uh, were a big key in the victory um you know they they have improved but they're still young guys and and we, we face a veteran team in oswego uh junior and senior team uh that's a concern for us you know, a lot of people say, well, Worcester's been, you know, in the tournament so many times and advanced so many times, but uh, we're, we're the inexperienced team compared to Oswego this, this weekend. Yeah, sectional appearance 10 times in the last 18 years. You've won eight straight opening round games in the NCAA tournament. Certainly that would be the historical experience, but as you say, it's not the team hasn't been around that long. Um, Oswego State uh, is the host, and, they are, and that is who you play in the opening round. Uh Besides, obviously, that they've got a number of juniors and seniors who have certainly found a way to win. What is it about them matchup-wise that concerns you? What is it about them matchup-wise that you think you can take advantage of? Well, you, you start with Sortino, their outstanding guard. He averages uh, over 20 points a game. He's a tough matchup at 6'3", a big guard, mm-hmm. just really skilled, no doubt about it. And what makes it tough is uh, you can't really help onto him too much because they have such good shooters around him. Um, so yeah, that's the concern really their, their, their experience, talent, 
Um, but um, I don't know what we can take advantage of. We're just going to have to try and guard them the best we can. <laughs> it certainly makes some sense. Uh, when you're while we're talking to you, you're on the bus. But what has the schedule been this week? Um, do you guys get out there a little bit early? Are you getting out there at about the right time? How how did you approach this weekend? Well, um, you know, we had the long trip back from D.C. on Sunday, so yeah. our players are pretty tired, um, especially after the overtime game on Saturday. But um, we, we didn't do a lot on Monday. It was more of a mental day, uh, just to get loosened up and shoot. We had two good practices, Tuesday and Wednesday. We left right after practice on Wednesday and traveled to Buffalo Wednesday evening, and we're on our way into Buffalo now as we speak, um, and we're going to practice at Oswego this afternoon. So, so that's the plan. Uh, hopefully we can get a good night's sleep tonight, get rested, and be ready to go tomorrow night. Um, how long's the trip? I, I meant to ask that. Well, it's, it's straight driving time. It's around six and a half hours. Okay. Uh, pretty much the same distance and traveling time as it was to D.C. last week. So gotcha. we're kind of taking the same approach going partway on Wednesday, finishing a trip up on, today on Thursday. Uh, tongue-in-cheek on this next question, Coach. Very much tongue-in-cheek. You guys are normally a, a preeminent top 25 squad. You guys have bounced in and out of that top 25 this year. Have you taken any uh, hard times uh, from your fan base? Oh, not, not that I know of. Uh, <laughs> they, probably a lot of fans were disappointed uh, through, through the season as we lost some games. But I know they didn't give up on us, and uh, they were still coming off of the games, even traveling to the real games. And uh, um, I think they realized that we were such a young team and that we were a work in progress. So, yeah, um, I know anytime we lose, the fans are disappointed, but they hung with us. <laughs> they certainly have, and obviously I know they'll travel well to Oswego. There's plenty of room in the gym at Oswego. not sure if there's plenty of room in the inn at Oswego, but uh, we'll see how the fans do. Uh, Coach, appreciate you taking the time to join us here on the show and talk about your squad getting ready for the big sectional weekend. Uh, obviously, we're, we're rooting on for everybody to make the trip to Salem, and obviously would love to see you guys back there, but there's a lot of teams who want to do it as well. As always, though, well, Coach, thanks. we give you the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Well, just uh, thank you, Dave, for having us, and thank you for all you do for Division Three basketball. You're much appreciated. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate the kind words. Good luck this weekend, and uh, we'll, I know we'll talk to you soon at some point anyway. Sounds good, Dave. Thank you. Absolutely. Steve Moore from Worcester joining us again. They'll take on Oswego in, at Oswego coming up this weekend, the 7 o'clock game, or I'm sorry, 7.30 game on Friday, 7.30 game. Uh, it seats a lot of people there. I'm not sure if that's a, a split double uh, header or not on the uh, – they can seat quite a few at Oswego. We'll see how that's all turning out. Uh, if you are heading to Oswego, you'll probably notice there's not a lot of hotels in the area. You may have to drive just a little bit to get into Oswego for a game. Uh, I know I ran into that looking at my plans for the weekend. But great little place to see. Um, it's too bad. I don't think any hockey is taking place. If it is taking place this weekend, it's a great place to watch some hockey as well. But uh, basketball-wise, one of those great old-school gyms. Seats quite a few people. Looking forward to some great basketball. At Oswego, thanks again to Steve Moore joining us on the show. Uh, again, I don't know where I'm going next in the show. You better be following us on Twitter because we've announced it there. And, of course, it's on our show page. But check it out on Twitter at D3Hoopsville because um, we'll obviously post momentarily who the next guest is on tap. Um, want to thank City of Salem, as always, for being the sponsor of our hotline. Again, get, get your tickets today. Join us in the Roanoke Valley. Even if your team's not coming, 
to the Roanoke Valley. It is wonderful to see Division Three basketball and the championships there. I ran into a guy last weekend who has been to 28, I think, or somewhere in the 20s, straight Final Fours. Obviously, Salem's now hosting its 20th. He says Salem does it the best. He's right. Join us there. We'd love to have him. We're going to take another break. When we come back, more Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games, leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they said. Oops, repeated the uh, commercial again. Apologize. We're still figuring out some new quirks with an update to our software. And being by myself, I keep forgetting some things. Anyway, welcome back to Hoopsville. Hope you've enjoyed the show. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC studios. I want to thank again City of Salem, who's our sponsor of our hotline. Really appreciate their support. Um, If you, listen, if you don't have a, uh, um, a team going to Salem and you still want to go see this get and can get to Salem, I, I suggest it. Get in the car and drive if you have to. It's not that far from Southern Ohio. It's not that far from the Tennessee, Kentucky, and obviously those areas, and obviously Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and up into New England. It's not as far as you think it is, especially if you're willing to make the trip. Number of hotels in the area. Roanoke's a beautiful area. Salem does a tremendous job. Please, Go check out the championships, even if your team's not there. You might enjoy them more if your team's not there. Of course, women will be going to Capitol, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out as well. Um, we're going to wrap up the show. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. going to um, give you my take on what I think is uh, what will happen this weekend and wrap things up as well. Um, so don't be a stranger, as they say. 
Um, and we'll try and answer any of your last second questions. Programming notes. Again, Sunday we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock Eastern time. I am headed to Chicagoland. That wasn't the original plan. <laughs> uh, originally I was staying East Coast, was trying to figure out Oswego or Tufts. And just as I was about to pull the trigger, as they say, on those decisions, um, plans changed for my colleagues. And so Benedictine opened up. I am headed out there. Uh, I will be arriving and seeing the games on Friday and Saturday. There's an outside chance. I've I've done the math that I could shoot out to Augustana on Saturday night to see that game instead of Benedictine and get back to the same hotel and fly out Sunday morning. It's a little on the insane side, so I may not go for it, but we will see. Also, it's going to depend on matchups, plain and simple, who wins what games and who's playing where. Um, but anyway, I grew up in Chicago, so I'm also going to take the chance to go see some my old my old uh, city. Um, but that's where I'm headed this weekend. Um, then Sunday, we'll be back in town. I'll fly back in time to do the show Sunday night. We'll do it from our Hoopsville studios. We'll hear from whoever I've interviewed out there. And in the meantime, uh, we will then go... Um, let's see. Well, Thursday's show in Salem will not take place. Uh, the last number of years we've done a show in Salem, though we haven't been consistent with that show. The challenge is it's not a highly watched show, and I have a lot of responsibilities down there. Postponing the show to what now we do on Fridays and Saturdays makes more sense, frees me up. So we're literally what we're going to do is take what we we're going to do on Thursday and put it into our Friday Saturday efforts, our pregame show efforts at the Salem Civic Center. By the way, if you've been to the Salem Civic Center and seen our pregame site ever since 2013, we've been doing it. We're moving locations this year, so don't be thrown off by that. Won't affect the production necessarily, but I thought I'd at least warn you. Uh, so that's I think some of those nuts and bolts. So again, we'll be back on the air here. On um, uh, this week, on Sunday at 7, off the air Thursday, but on the air Friday before both sets of games on the men's side and Saturday before the uh, between the All-Star game and the championship game. Um, and then Sunday we'll be back on the air wrapping things up. And mainly a pre-taped show that we do from Salem at 7 o'clock, but that's what we'll do from there. Um, I think that's it. So let's talk about... Who's probably in and who's uh, who I think can get to Capitol and to Salem. We'll start on the women's side of things. Uh, we'll start in the upper left-hand corner because, well, why not? So it's all these games are at Thomas More. It'll be Carnegie Mellon and Washington U versus Thomas More and Maryville. You're crazy if you think I'm going anywhere but Thomas More here. Nothing against anybody else there. Um... Thomas Moore will beat will beat Maryville. The question is, can Carnegie Mellon beat Wash U? Carnegie Mellon, I, what I read, hasn't beaten them in like 43 games. I, I don't know if that's completely accurate. It seems wrong, but it's what I read Gordon made a comment about. Anyway, the question is, who wins that? Uh, I'm going to take Nancy Fay because I think Nancy Fay is always ready for a match. If there's anybody who can beat Thomas Moore at this point, it may be Wash U just because of the experience. But Thomas Moore is coming out of here, plain and simple. They're marching on to Capitol. Lower left, it's Amherst Stevens and Bowden Rochester. Amherst versus Stevens, Bowden versus Rochester, those games at Amherst. Um, I think these are compelling matchups. 
Amherst GP Gromacki versus Stevens, who's just kind of been flying a little low on the radar. Uh, I can't go against GP Gromacki and the, and the formerly known as the Lord fill in the blanks um, at their own place. Uh, I don't know if Stevens has got the firepower to beat Amherst, so I'm going to go with Amherst. Bowden Rochester is fascinating to me. Uh, I looked at this matchup all week. Um, I'm leaning towards Rochester because I think they've got the size inside, but you heard Coach Scheibel talk about the matchup with Bowden. Uh, I'm not sure what where, where this one ends up, but I'm going to lean towards Rochester. And I'm going to go with Amherst coming out of it. Uh, I think the home court is just too strong. They've only lost one game in like 10 years there. <laughs> it's not exactly like that, but you understand my point. Upper right hand corner. We talked about that. I'll come back. Um, we, we talked about that at the beginning of the season or the beginning of the show. Crazy how this one's going to shake out. I think the right hand side of the column is where, right side of the bracket, I should say, is where we're going to see possibly the two teams who don't, I mean, the non hosts come out. Scranton's undefeated will take on Christopher Newport, who's already proven with their win over Muhlenberg to be far tougher than people were giving them credit for. Albright, with their win over Montclair, will take on Tufts in a fascinating battle. Um, as good as Albright's playing, I'm leaning towards Tufts because Tufts is just too good. Uh, that will possibly match them up with Tufts versus Scranton. And I've got Tufts coming out of here. At some point, I think experience plays a role. Scranton hasn't been this deep in the NCAA tournament in a very long time. I don't know if the Scranton home court is going to be strong enough for Tufts to be beaten down by, if that makes any sense. It's also an early game, 5 o'clock. I don't know why. Many games on the women's side have been earlier than normal. Needless to say, I've got Tufts coming out of there. I've had Tufts coming out of here. I'm going to stick with Tufts coming getting out of here. Um, lower right-hand corner, it's George Fox versus Texas Tyler. Wartburg versus St. Thomas at St. Thomas. Um, the most compelling game. Uh, both of them are compelling, to be honest with you. Wartburg's a team that has been inconsistent, uh, but has gotten some huge wins over top 25 teams this season, including uh, what they did with St. Thomas in, in the gym uh, around Christmas time. Um, I think Wartburg is capable of beating St. Thomas, and I'm going to go for that upset in the early game, even though on my bracket I believe I've got St. Thomas winning this one. Uh, at the upper top, George Fox, Texas Tyler. I'm going with Texas Tyler. This one's a bit of an unknowns game. George Fox undefeated, probably not as good as that undefeated record indicates, and that's not a knock on them. They're still darn good. But even Coach Meeks has set it up before. They're playing with house money. Um, they didn't expect to be in this situation this year. I'm going with Texas Tyler because as much as they're an unknown, I think they're dangerous. They shoot incredibly well. Uh, I don't know if George Fox can can guard everybody. If that makes any sense. Uh, so it's going to be Wartburg versus Texas Tyler, and I'm going to go, why the heck not with Texas Tyler? This was the one bracket I've already gotten wrong. I had Oshkosh coming out of this bracket, so it doesn't matter to me. So I got Texas Tyler coming out of that. So my predictions out of this weekend are Thomas Moore Amherst, um, Tufts, and Texas Tyler. There you go. Why the heck not? Now let's go to the men's side and see how wrong I can make these predictions. Um, yes, tongue firmly in cheek. Um, Benedictine, Ohio Wesleyan, St. Norbert, Alma. These games being played at Benedictine. This is the one I'm getting to go see. I get to knock off three teams from my list. 
I'm sorry, too, because Alma's in there. I got to knock off Alma last week from my viewing list. Uh, Benedictine, Ohio Wesleyan, St. Norbert Alma. I'm going to start with St. Norbert Alma. This is a rematch of a game earlier in November, or in December, I should say. Alma controlled it, shot extremely well from outside, beat St. Norbert. I think it's a much closer game, and I'm going to ride the Alma, the Alma wave at this point. They are playing such good basketball. Um, they are so crisp in passing, so so team orientated. It's incredible. Nothing against St. Norbert. I just, I mean, this game could honestly go either way. I think the previous matchup doesn't. I mean, Elma shot so well in that previous game that I don't think that is I, that was the difference in the score, not the difference in the teams. Um, but I'm going to still go with Elma here. I think they're just that good. Benedictine Ohio Wesleyan is fascinating. Can Benedictine keep this up? Ohio Wesleyan, well coached by Mike Dewitt. I'm going to go with the home team. I think Benedictine will end up pulling this off. I am not going to be surprised though if Ohio Wesleyan wins it. The trick is the teams I thought were capable of making the big run to Salem are out of this bracket already. North Central was one of those teams I thought could make a deep run. John Carroll, one of those teams who I thought might get past Alma and make a deep run. They're both out. So this one's wide open for me, as good as Benedictine is. And Benedictine versus Alma in the second game for a chance to go to Salem is incredible. And where's the pressure going to be on two very young squads? Um, I'm going to go with Alma because i got nothing else. I'm looking for an upset, to be honest with you. I don't know if that's going to be true. I think Benedictine's got just as good a chance to get to the Final Four undefeated, which would be an incredible storyline in itself. Um, and any of these four could get out of here. But I'm going to run with Alma. Why not? I, I got nothing to lose. Uh, then we go down the lower left. These games being played at Tufts. It's Amherst versus Babson, Johnson Wales versus Tufts. I am not going to change what I said on Sunday night. It comes down to this. Is Flannery 100% for Babson? Because if he is, Babson comes out of this weekend. If he's not, I think Johnson and Wales comes out of this weekend. The reason being, as good as Tufts is, as high scoring as Tufts is, I think Johnson Wales is better at that game. Can Tufts slow down Johnson Wales? I don't think they're designed to. And as much as Tufts likes to score points, Johnson and Wales is designed to score points. Yeah, you could make an argument that Tufts is too, but not as much as Johnson and Wales. I think J and W pulls off the upset in the early round. Then Amherst versus Babson. If Flannery's back at 100%, as much as the double overtime game went in Amherst's favor, I think it goes in Babson's favor this time. The flip of that is, if if Flannery is not 100%, Amherst comes out of this, and then I don't know how Amherst handles Johnson and Wales. Um, so that's where I'm going to lean towards. Flannery 100%, it's Babson. Flannery out, it's Johnson and Wales. Upper right, Rock Island, Illinois, at Augustana. It is Augustana versus Emory, St. Thomas versus Whitman. You'll remember in 2011, Augustana hosted this round, and St. Thomas was in this bracket. St. Thomas ended up winning a match of, matchup between Augustana and St. Thomas in the Elite Eight to go to Salem. St. Thomas rode that to a national championship. I am taking a rematch in the Elite Eight of Augustana and St. Thomas, but I'm taking Augustana to come out right now. John Tower is probably listening, and he's probably... He's probably ready to throw things at the TV. I have to go with Augustana. I have no choice but to go with Augustana. I have said since I walked out of the Salem Civic Center last year that Augustana would be back in Salem. I said it in the preseason. I said it midway through the season. I said it when I stuck with them as the number one team despite a loss. I have never had a different number one team on my top 25 this season than Augustana. I cannot now choose somebody else. That's it. That's the only reason. Augustana comes out of this in a rematch of 2011. 
Could anybody else win this? Could Emory pull off an upset? Sure, maybe. I don't think so. Sorry, Coach Zimmerman, but I don't think so. Can St. Thomas pull it off? Sure, they're a talented enough team. They've been in my top five, top ten for most of the season as well. But I'm going to go with Augustana because, again, I don't have a choice (laughs) on this one. I've been voting for him like this the whole way. Lower right, at Oswego, this one's wide open. Christopher Newport versus Keene State, Oswego versus Worcester. I said on Sunday this could go to the benefit of Christopher Newport. Not distracted being at home, maybe a bit of a chip on their back, uh, on their shoulder, because they are not playing at their place. Not that it ever was feasible with the upsets. Keene State, terrific story. Don't have the firepower to beat Christopher Newport. You heard Ryan Kane at the beginning of the show talk about the fact that Christopher Newport has guys coming off the bench who are as good as the starters. There are guys coming off Christopher Newport's bench who'd be starting for three quarters, maybe 90% of Division Three teams out there. And they're coming off of Christopher Newport's bench. Their center guy who's scoring a ton of points is a bench guy. I don't see how Keene State slows them down. Christopher Newport comes out of this. Then you've got Oswego versus Worcester. I'm going to go with Oswego. I'm changing my mind, I think, from Sunday. I don't remember exactly what I said on Sunday, but I know I was leaning towards Worcester. I think Oswego has got some talent, and and their point guard at 6'3 is one of the reasons they're they're on fire that gets them past what I consider an inconsistent Worcester squad. You heard Coach Moore allude to that as well. This is a team that had to come back against Endicott. I think it's going to be Christopher Newport versus Oswego, and then that is just matchup heaven. I would love to have gotten here. By the way, could not get a hotel room lined up, which is one of the reasons I'm going to Chicago. Um, Christopher Newport versus Oswego is going to be fun to watch. I got to go with Christopher Newport because I said a few weeks ago I thought they could get to the Final Four. So I'm going to go with Christopher Newport for that one. But Coach Leon and Oswego could easily pull this one off. My only concern is I don't think they're as good inside as Christopher Newport is. I don't think anybody in this four is as deep as Christopher Newport is. And so I think Christopher Newport comes out of this. So again, a recap. Upper left, I'm going with Alma for no good reason. I'm looking for an upset, so I'm going with it. Uh, I think Benedictine falls short. Wouldn't be surprised if they come out of there undefeated. I'm just looking for an upset. The only reason. Lower left, if Flannery's 100%, Babson's into the Final Four. If not, I'm taking Johnson and Wales on a flyer. Upper right, it's Augustana because I've said it's been Augustana for nearly a year. It's going to be Augustana. I can't go any. I can't make myself choose somebody else. And Christopher Newport in the lower right. Those are my picks on the men's and women's side. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We certainly have had fun putting it on. Again, we'll be back on the air Sunday evening um, at 7 o'clock Eastern time. We will have interviews from Benedictine in some way, shape, or form. If we make a random fly out to Augustana as well, we'll have interviews from that. Uh, Most likely, Pat Coleman will have an interview for us. Um, By the way, I see Alma, uh, just a picture on Twitter came out of them uh, getting ready to Benedictine. Can't wait to be at that gym. Lovely looking place. They are at practice as we speak. Um, Congratulations to them on even getting this this far. But anyway, um, Pat Coleman will probably have an interview coming out of uh, St. Thomas. We'll see if we have other interviews from any of our other colleagues, but most, but more importantly, uh, we'll have other guests on the show looking ahead again at Salem and Capital. With that, we're going to end the show. I want to thank our guests 
who appeared on the show. From Keene State, Ryan Kane. From Rochester, Jim Scheibel. From Texas, Tyler, Kendra Hassel. From Emory, Jason Zimmerman. From Amherst, Dave Hickson. And from Worcester, Steve Moore. Thank all their sports information directors as well for their incredible help in helping us get us on the air. Again, I'm on the road to Benedictine. If you see me, say hi. Apparently, I'll be doing color for the first game on Friday, joining our good friend, uh, Mr. Caldwell. Caldwell. <laughs> Calderwood. Sorry about that, buddy. Uh, joining Mr. Calderwood on the call for that. Looking forward to that. And then just looking forward to enjoying the games on top of all that. Uh, thank you to all you tuning in. You have been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Thanks to our partners at the Women's Basketball Coaches Association and the National Association of Basketball Coaches for their support of the show. Thank you all of you who supported us on the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. Possibly on Sunday, we will go through our entire thank you list of those who donated to the cause this time around. And of course, thanks to the City of Salem as our hotline sponsor as well. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We will be back here on Sunday evening. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the show. Good night, everybody. And enjoy a great weekend of basketball. It promises to be a great weekend of basketball. Enjoy it coming up. Watch it online or get to a gym. It's worth the money. Enjoy.